Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the affiliates to take the field. Clinton Cole here with you on a special Future Sox podcast. This podcast, folks, uh, has a preview of each of the four full-season affiliates. We'll start with Kannapolis, then we'll go to Winston, then Birmingham, and then Charlotte to wrap things up. I am recording this. um, It is late uh, Wednesday night, about 11 o'clock Central Time here. On Wednesday the 3rd, all four affiliates start tomorrow night. That is Thursday, April 4th. So that means uh, this will be out on Thursday morning. So tonight, all the games start. Birmingham, 6.35 starts. And then I think all the other three will be a 7 o'clock Eastern time start uh, for the other three affiliates, the North Carolina affiliates. But here we go. At first, we're going to talk with Trevor Wilt from the Kannapolis Intimidators, the voice of the Intimidators. And then up next, an old friend from Winston-Salem, Joe Weil. He is the voice of the Dash. They open the season on the road. And then the third interview was with Kurt Bloom, the voice of the Birmingham Barons. They're on the road as well. And then uh, weren't able to get anyone uh, from the Charlotte Knights. It was a uh, short time crunch. Uh, so we spoke with Jonathan Lee, or I spoke with Jonathan Lee from Sox Machine. Jonathan also going to be helping us out a little bit here at the Future Sox as well. He was at the uh, media day, and he's... I've been covering the Knights as well. I got to meet him a lot last year down in Charlotte. So here we go. Um, In order, the uh, affiliates, Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. If, if, if you want to skip ahead, since this is going to be a longer podcast, here are the times you skip ahead to uh, for the individual affiliates previews. The uh, interview with Joe and the Dash starts at about the 35-minute mark. Then my uh, interview with uh, Kurt Bloom starts at about an hour and three minutes in. And the final one, the Charlotte preview with Jay Lee from Sox Machine also helping us out. Oh, to go ahead to about the hour and 47-minute mark. All right, folks, this uh, podcast is just about two hours long. All of the affiliates, all of the information... This has been a very fun project to work on. We also just announced our Future Sox Nights, Thursday, June 20th in Charlotte, Friday, June 21st in Winston-Salem, and then Saturday, June 22nd in Kannapolis. Still working on a uh, Future Sox Night in Birmingham, but I wanted to get all three affiliates in North Carolina in one trip, so there you go. All right, here we go. Without further ado, we'll start things off with Trevor Wilt from Kannapolis. Happy baseball, everyone. We'll go back to another Future Sox podcast. This time it is, or it is time now, I should say, for our affiliates previews. We are going to start with the Kannapolis Intimidators here on uh, the eve of opening night for the minor league baseball season. Joining me now is the voice of the Intimidators and my friend Trevor Wilt. Trevor, you're down in Kannapolis and the weather in Chicago, it's been a little better actually than it has been down there. It snowed the other night. It did, yeah. So we actually uh, we had some snow yesterday down here. We actually had to put the tarp on during the middle of the morning. It was about 10, 11 a.m. We get a call from our groundskeeper going, hey, guys, tarp closed. Even if you don't have tarp closed, uh, we're, we're, we're putting on the tarp. It's snowing and raining. So we actually got snow at 38 degrees down here for about a solid hour. So we were putting on the tarp. But, uh, but, hey, it ended up being 65 degrees the same day, wow. and then it was 70 degrees, especially uh, 70 degrees on opening day. So, we're pumped. We're uh, still looking great. There's, 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 uh, there's no dew. There's no, uh, 
no uh, no rain participation or, or precipitation or whatever it's called uh, out there on the field, so we're good to go. Hopefully we get some participation on the field. <laughs> we can have precipitation and no precipitation, but a lot of participation. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, Trevor, before we uh, start talking about the Intimidators, I know you are um, – you are you're fresh to the uh, baseball scene. Last year was your first year um, um, doing um, affiliated baseball. So uh, I guess for the fans that have don't know who you are yet, kind of kind of introduce yourself and kind of give yourself a little background. Yeah. So again, I'm Trevor Wilk. Uh, so I'm born and raised here in Concord, North Carolina, which is about 10, 15 minutes down the road from Kannapolis. And I had I've been going to Kannapolis and Seminaries games my entire life, basically since I was about five, six years old. So um, I, I didn't really, don't really, really remember the Piedmont Bull Weevils times, but we're going to be doing six uh, throwback nights for, for Piedmont Bull Weevils with the Intimidators used to be before Dale Earnhardt took over, and of course named it the Intimidators after himself. But, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm so blessed to be here, and uh, I feel like uh, there's a, a good time for me here in Kannapolis, and it was just the right time I graduated from UNC Charlotte which is right up the road from Kannapolis, of course, right near the Charlotte Knights. And I graduated in 2017, and I did communications, management journalism, and I just worked my butt off uh, to, to get internships and summer collegiate baseball and stuff like that with those summer collegiate teams and then ended up being the, the voice of the Charlotte 49ers for, for baseball. I did softball, volleyball, all that fun stuff as well, and, and uh, yeah, again, uh, the good Lord blessed me at a, at a beautiful spot in Kannapolis, and we're, we're going to make it great. And, and it's gone through some rough patches for sure, but we have fun up in the press box. So uh, we, we have a great time. Clint, I know you you've been around a couple of times. We, we have a good time. It's really relaxed up here. I try to keep a, a fun a fun relaxing time because that's, that's kind of who I am as a person. Just real relaxed uh, and just just trying to have a good time and try to uh, basically have a positive impact on, on anybody that I come in contact with and, and that that being people over the over the radio and, and that being people like yourself in media. So man, I'm just I'm just blessed to be here in Canapos and have a great time and second year is uh is, is right around the corner. So Trevor, I know um uh getting to the uh, intimidators this season, um I know you guys open up with the uh, Rome Braves tomorrow and that kind of brings up an interesting thing. I, I know you're a, a big Braves fan, um, so mm. and uh, we will allow it. Um, that, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, no, for real, <laughs> I, it's got to be cool for you, though. You know, for, I mean, it's cool for me. It's awesome for me being around all the White Sox prospects and stuff. But it's got to be cool for you as well. You know, broadcasting a game in which your favorite team, uh, your favorite team, the organization is a part of too. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, I'm a, a huge Braves fan. My, my father grew up in Atlanta. Uh, Ray's going to be a, a big, great guy here in Charlotte. And, and of course, I, I really I really follow the White Sox. I'm a big White Sox guy now as well. Right, but the Braves will all, always be true to my heart. Of course, Bobby Cox and hearing that news today about him having a stroke and in the hospital. And so that, that, that touched me. I got on the phone with my dad right away. I was like, hey, Dad, you hear about the news? So and little things like that, I still have a, a definitely an emotional uh, connection to Atlanta Braves. Still keep up with them every night. But, of course, my main priority is Canapas Intimidators and then just checking the, the great scores at the end of the night and whenever we do our – during the middle of the 7th or 8th inning when I do my MLB uh, updates, I normally look a little bit more closer <laughs> to Atlanta Braves. But, uh, but man, it's, yeah, it's, been, it's been a blast. and It's going to be so cool to see some of these, these younger Atlanta Braves uh, here for Rome 
come through our system or come through the Sally League, the South Atlantic League. And we didn't get to see them last year. They, they didn't come here last year, so which was kind of weird. So it's cool to see them this year. Last year they had more prospects. So I wasn't to have them last year. But uh, but this year they don't have as many prospects. But because everyone's in, in high A, double A, triple A for them, or heck, even the 20 rolls up in the majors, but it, yeah, it's cool. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to meet, uh, Matt Siasasoko. I uh, watched him growing up. So he, he's a skipper for the one grade. So I just actually hung up his, his, uh, what, number 27 as the, uh, the skipper up in the, the, the visiting locker room about a few minutes ago. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. to, to see him. That's awesome. All right. Let's, let's get to the intimidators this year. Uh, last year's intimidators team, a couple guys, um, you know, a lot of the guys were there. Um, they, either, they either started there and moved up or were drafted and went there for a little while. Or in Luis Roberts' case, he started there before moving to Winston. So you got to see quite a few of the uh, of the members of the future of this White Sox organization. You know, and obviously all, everyone's a part of the future. But, you know, some of the other big names, I guess I should say. Two of the guys, though, I wanted, wanted to ask you about. We'll start with this one. It was a guy that got hurt uh, early on in the season. That's Cade McClure. Um, I was there for that start and. Man, Cade, Cade's an impressive guy, and um, you know we we wish him the best, and he's he's uh, getting ready to go. But uh, for the little time you you saw Cade there, um, you know a lot of White Sox fans don't really know much about him because they didn't see him you know last season because he was hurt in you know the first what six weeks or so. So I guess what what most excites you about Cade McClure coming back this year? So he's just he's so smooth. Clint. I mean, just whenever you watch him pitch. It looks so effortless one for a guy who's six foot seven, six foot eight on a good day with certain cleats on. You, you, you would think, uh, man, this guy's going to try to overpower everybody. He's got good, he's got good fastball, but he's got some good off speed stuff too. And, and he's a true competitor. He went to Louisville, uh, University of Louisville, him and Lincoln Hensman, who is actually, I believe, in, in high A right now, uh, with the White Sox. I think that's where he's going to start out in Winston. But they're just, whenever you look at these two guys, there's two competitors. I think whenever you go to Louisville, you play in the ACC, right. you just have that competitive atmosphere or and that competitive edge that every single night you're going to get some ACC opponents. And, and I think you definitely carry that on. He's got a very good spirit coming into this year. I, I don't know if he's going to be uh, – he did mess up his knee last year. That was when he got his surgery. And like you said, he did end up uh, uh, only playing for about six or seven weeks. But – what I saw just a great fastball, uh, off-speed pitches. Uh, we'll see how those are. Uh, and that's probably the biggest thing whenever you, whenever you get hurt is just being able to, of course, it, it's all in the hands, but, I mean, it's all in the lower body as well. And you got to be able to, to bend the knees. you got to be able to bend the back. you got to be able to do all these things to create that, uh, that, that, that different angle when it comes to throwing out of your hands. It's not just your hands, not just your arms, it's your lower body as well. So it's going to be interesting to see them. I haven't, I haven't got the chance. I've been busy the last couple of days while they've been practicing to, to exactly go in there and watch them pitch but, uh, in the bullpens. But I don't know if he's going to be on limit restriction or what, but, uh, or a restriction for uh, his pitching uh, innings or what. But it's going it, it's, it's to be fun. It's going to be a process for him. And, and I, I really hope that he definitely deserves to be in high, if not double A right now. And this kid's good. He, right. he, he's, just flat out, he's just flat out good at pitching. That's just how it is. And, um, last year, he started out very well. I mean, he was very good. He was going to be an, an all-star, for goodness sake. And then, of course, next thing you know, he ends up getting injured. So we're going to um, hopefully uh, – I bet you they're going to monitor, monitor him very closely with Chris Getz. And then I don't see him being in the Canapas too long. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that, hey, 
if he if he seems healthy, they're gonna be like, you, you don't belong in, in Canapolis. You need to go up and go to high A, and hopefully he could be a high A guy, if not double A guy, by the end of the year. I just uh, I just texted him to see how he's doing, seeing how that uh, how that knee's going. I've got to do an interview with him this uh, off season, so awesome dude, and it was fun for these Chicago fans because they. Uh, same high school as uh, Mitch Trubisky, so the, uh, they all enjoyed that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, another guy. Uh, let's let's stay on the the pitching side. There's some names on here that I, I didn't see last year, of course, because they were in Great Falls. Uh, a couple of them: Jonathan Stever, Connor Pilkington, uh, Bennett Souza. I mean, some of these guys were were picks recently, and you know there there's going to be a really good pitching staff in Canapolis again. I know there was last year, but it's going to happen again this year too. Yeah, yeah. Last year I thought we were uh, uh, we were pretty set, but this year exactly right. exact same thing. And um, yeah, Bennett Smith, a, a lefty out of Virginia, a guy that I really enjoy. Heck, it's, uh, his parents just came down here. They're going to be here for the weekend. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's just got he's got great stuff. He's got great late movement from a lefty. Again, a Virginia guy, an ACC guy, a straight competitor. That's just what you're going to get if you're if you're a top line pitching ACC. You're going to be a guy who should be able to move throughout the ranking. Of course, he's not in the, not the White Sox. I don't think he's in the top 30, but he's just a guy that he may kind of fly a, a low, a, a low, low radar, and then and then kind of sneak his way up in the high A and double A in, in, in the next little bit. But um, yeah, you got uh, you got Connor, you got you got Pink uh, as well. He's he's a, apparently he's a stud. I've heard a lot about him. Of course, what top five round, top three round draft pick. Uh, he's got a great body. I mean, this kid is he's. He's, he's thick. He's got some muscle behind him. So I can't wait to see him go out there and swing it. And, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, man, there's, there's a couple of guys that you mentioned we could probably uh, talk all day about. Right. But it's just it's going to be it's gonna be fun down here at Canapolis. I'm telling you what, man. I mean, the guys, every single year, it's like, yeah, we're going to have a good team. But this team, they're like, hey, we're, we're winning the first half championship. That's what we're doing, and that's what we want to do. And that's what Ryan Newman, the skipper, wants to do. That's what Cole Armstrong, that's what Ryan Johansson – that's when all the Jose Batista, they're all going, guys, we have the potential to be the best team in the South Atlantic League, and, and, and let's, go ahead and t- let's go ahead and take it. We're going to talk about the new coaching staff in just a second, but two of the guys that were in uh, Kannapolis that ended up in Winston last year, now part of that top 30 in the White Sox organization, uh, one of Cade's teammates, uh, Lincoln Hensman at Louisville, and then another guy who I think is, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the Sox bullpen at the end of this year. That's Tyler Johnson. I mean, those two guys, uh, two different, two different kinds of guys. You know, um, you know, Lincoln started, and then I guess you know he was on a, a restriction towards the end of the year. But then Tyler Johnson coming out of the pen, whew, those two guys, uh, pretty tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got Tyler Johnson at South Carolina. I mean, the guy walks out out of South Carolina the first time I see him out. So I went to UNC. I went to Charlotte. A quick little story, real quick. So I went to Charlotte. And Tyler Johnson of South Carolina, top five, top three, heck, number one in the nation for the most part uh, of the year. And he comes in, we're at Shaw, I've announced the game on like ESPN3 or whatever. And, and next thing you know, he has the purge dubstep. I mean, do you hear the purge sound as his walkout song? And the game is just over. I mean, you just know the game's over. That's whenever you know a guy's going to walk in and he's going to shut it down. We end up scoring a couple of runs on uh, that, that, that inning, but, um, but I mean, the guy just—he's a great competitor. Again, South Carolina is the guy's going to be able to compete at about any level you put in that. And and that's the funny thing, dude. You don't see him in the—I don't know where he's at in the prospect rankings, but you probably do. But um, I think he's in the top twenty, top or top twenty-five. But he's an absolute stud. I mean, his exactly. stats speak for themselves. And 
He, I mean, the guy, he's, he's got an immaculate body to be a closer. I mean, the guy, I mean, he's, I mean, he's built from, from head to toe. He's, He's like a Luis Robert, but on the mound. And, and the next thing you know, I kind of see him sliding down on the White Sox prospect list. I'm going, man, I'm thinking the same thing as you. I mean, why is it this guy right. up in, up in double-A, triple-A, maybe he had the major spot in the year, uh, getting some innings in the bullpen. I mean, he's got an electric fastball. He's got great movement to it. And he's got some good all-speed stuff that he can go to. And he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. And, heck, I mean, yeah, like I said, his stats speak for himself. And then, Lincoln Henson, what, stopper of the year, one of the closers of the year in college baseball in Louisville, him and then it came with their teammates. I mean, this, this guy and, and Lincoln, he's a true competitor. He doesn't care who you're he doesn't care who you are, he's gonna come inside on you. And then after he gets you to, to back up off the plate and then she's gonna throw a little slider away and get you to swing and miss or roll over back at first base. That's just the kind of guy he is. And as a as a closer, now he's coming to a starter, and like you said, a little uh, ending restrictions, but that's probably just because he's he was he's looking only a hundred and ten percent for one inning. But now the kids like, hey, I'll throw six, seven, eight if you want me to. Heck, he had two uh, in Canapas last year. He had two double headers. He started both of them, and I'm pretty sure he had the quick game shutouts in both of them. So the guy can go wrong. He's he's shown that, and he's just a true competitor, a great, strong Christian man as well. He's great in his morals and his faith. His family's awesome. Pretty sure the guy's already married, so. He's just—I think he's just emotionally, physically, just sound. He, he's just—he's just—I'm uh, not perfect, but he's got a great build-up, right. and, uh, and he's a guy that I'm really excited about. Let's move over to the infielders. Uh, last year's infield, pretty talented. I mean, you had—you know—your check, who is who's now not part of the organization anymore, but I'm—I'm I'm just picturing in my head from right to left was Blackman. And then you had Mad- Madrigal's there for a little while. I mean, we'll talk about him in a second. But uh, Curbelo, Cruz, I mean, a lot of these guys, Laz Rivera, um, for Laz obviously has moved up, and you saw the, the success he had last year. I mean, he's another another guy. You look on the prospect list, and you're like, well, I'm not really sure why he's that low. But, um, you know, he's another guy that I think is a fast riser. But for the guys that will still be there, you got a pretty darn good uh, uh, infield coming this year as well. Beltre, Bush, Curbelo, Nunez, and Sosa, man. Those five guys, those are those are five names. I mean, usually you even you've got a low A team, it's like, oh, maybe maybe one infielder, maybe an outfielder will, you know, they'll have a chance to move up. All five of those guys, man, those those are five really good infielders. Yeah, no. <laughs> as soon as I saw all the all the infielders, I went, man, this is gonna be fun right here. Because uh, so I haven't really seen too much of this Bryce Bush guy, but I've talked to him. He's very introvert. I mean, he doesn't talk at all. Doesn't talk much. I, I came over. I started punching him in the shoulder. Like, hey man, what's up? Like, I'm I'm a, I'm a broadcaster who's going to try to get as much out of you. Right. I'm going to try to try to just freeze it out of you, but I'm going to I'm going to try to beat it out of you if I need to. And uh, we were just talking about life. And then uh, he's a, 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 again a, a very quiet guy, but man, he's 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 cool. He's relaxed. He's calm. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a moment that's going to be too big for him. And of course, I haven't seen him play. So I don't I don't know too much about him, but just by the demeanor the, the of him, I don't I really don't think there's gonna be a time that's gonna be too big for him. I think he he's got so much muscle. I mean this guy is just he's built. I mean he's 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 solid rock and and you can tell you're like man this guy's legs are about the size of Steel Walker as well. We'll probably talk about him in a second and and uh, and yeah, I'm really excited about him. Of course Luis Corbello. I mean what a what a guy. I mean he's he's a he's a clubhouse guy. Literally everybody loves from the GM to the owner to myself to media. 
to you, to the players, to the coaches, to the to the skippers. I think everyone loves Luis Corbello. He just has that that positive effect on people, and it, it shows in his game as well. And I know he went through some rough patches last year, where he was uh, doing really well, and then he had a he had a couple times where he was kind of slacking off a little bit. But I mean, I wouldn't say slack. It just, just had some uh, a couple down weeks. But but man, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see this infield play, and uh, I'm gonna be really excited to to see who's over there at first base running around as well. We got. Uh, we got Gunner back behind the plate. We got Evan Scout back there as well, who's trying to trying to recreate his his own game. And after he fell off a little bit by coming uh, to Canapas, but I think man, Evan, he's got such a good head on his shoulders that he's going to get back to that 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 spot where he needs to be where he was at TCU. Maybe he just needs to go the beer back. I don't know, but I think that I think that could be one of the reasons. Yeah, Curbelo, um you know, I've, I haven't seen any of the other guys play, but man, that's that's a guy who I think is, is poised for a breakout season this year. Not another guy that not a lot of people know. Um, now I'm just speaking of the guys that I've seen. Obviously, I didn't see Nunez Sosa and Bush last year, but as far as Cabello goes, man, he's got he's got he's the full package. I think he's a hit a little better, but that's you know, but I think that's going to come this year. That's another name. I think he's uh, like a he's he's one of those guys that's. Wouldn't be surprised if he's he's finishing like a Lazar Vera type season last year, and that's kind of that's kind of where I see him this year. Um, you mentioned the catchers, yeah, you got those three, um, and then the, the outfielders. You mentioned Steel Walker a second. Steel Walker is uh, how do how do I want to how do I say it? he is one of the <laughs> he is one of the most awesome dudes I've ever talked to. Like, that's, that's the best way. That's the best way to describe right there. Yeah, awesome, just awesome. He is. He's a guy that he gives you 110 percent everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's on the base paths, uh, at the plate, in the outfield. I'm sure in the weight room. Um, he gave it about 190 percent on an interview. Uh, I mean, that dude is. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is is he is he is wired and he is the perfect. He has the perfect personality to eventually be in a city like Chicago. Oh my gosh, I, dude, Clint, I, I love this kid. We were just doing media day and taking photos. He's sitting there. Everyone knows he's he, he's a uh, he, he's more of a pretty boy. But of course, he, but we we were messing with him. He's like, boys, I'm a baller. Like that that was the cool thing, Clint. Like we were we were messing with him. Like hey, like get us this pose, do this pose, do this, do this. All the guys are messing with him. He looks up. He goes, boys, I can ball too. Like let's let's go out there. And let's let's show him that we can ball. So that was cool. Like the kid is is of course going to go out there. His charisma. I mean, the guy is just—he's a phenomenal person. And his, his family's incredible. I mean, what over there in Texas, Prosper, Texas, the home of Deion Sanders. I mean, he, he reminds you of some prime time. That that, that could be our dude. He could be prime time two point uh, him and him and Deion being both in Prosper, Texas. But that that's really what he reminds you of. I mean, he's going to be popping the chain. He's going to be showing that uh, he's going to have a couple buttons down. He's going to show the flow. He's going to get some flair. He's got the tight pants. I mean, the guy is a baller, though. I mean, he's going to out there. He's going to go out there and give you 110%, like you said, in an interview, off the plate, on the bench. It doesn't matter. I just want him to stay healthy. That's all that is. He's got to keep those legs healthy. And his upper body has been, been great, but he's got to keep that lower body healthy because he's, got, he's a smaller guy. But he's he's more of a power hitter. He's got so much power with those legs, Clint. And if he can keep that those hammies, those quads healthy, I think he's going to be 
Um, I think Chicago is gonna is gonna love him. And I, I know the White Sox organization is gonna love him, and I hope the rest of the the the, the rest of the MLB team hate him in the next couple of years. But he's just he's just so infectious in everything that he does. He makes everyone about around him better as a person and as a player. And he's gonna be so much fun. And then heck, man, we got so many other great outfielders. We got, we got Alex Castillo. He's gonna run around, of course. Um, and he's this big South Carolina guy. He came up here, I think, one day last year. And then Luis Robert came in and had that. And that was, that was tough. That was tough. Uh, whenever you get replaced by Luis Roberts. Not many guys in the entire minor leagues are going to be able to uh, compete with Luis Roberts. So not a slide on Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, Destino, I, I, I'm really, I'm really happy that he's up here. And, and he's getting some shot, and he's he's getting a shot at it. And again, he's a big South Carolina guy. He was their four hole hitter, and heck, he, he had a he had a uh, a two run homer off one of my buddies to win the game against Charlotte a, a, a couple years ago as well. So I mean, just watching him back in college, he was a stud guy from Asheville. He's got a lot of his buddies around here as well, and his family. So he he's really excited to be in Kannapolis, and hopefully he's not here too long. Um, a couple other guys I want to mention. First of all, I want to say this before we uh, – we've already been talking for 25 minutes, 20 minutes. But another thing I want to say before we go any further, just because we don't mention some of these guys, like that doesn't mean they're not going to perform this year or, you know, they're not going to mm-hmm. they're not going to move up to win – you know, that they're, they're, they're not – they don't have bright futures. That's just because neither one of us have seen these guys play. So we're not – instead of exactly. instead of just making stuff up to just to say stuff, I mean, we're not going to do that. So there's, I think we only talked about one, two, like three of the pitchers. I mean, there's obviously more than three pitchers on this team. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I just, I just want to make sure we get that out there for the listeners. I know a lot of families listen to this and stuff like that. So just because we don't mention some of these guys does not mean that they're not on our radar or they're, it just means that frankly, we have not seen them yet and check back in in a couple months. And I'm sure we'll be talking about some guys that we're not even mentioning today. Exactly. And then, hey, real quick on that point. If you think about a guy like Elias Rivera, I bet you a lot of people, as soon as he got into the ranks, I mean, heck, this is only my second year with the White Sox, but I guarantee you a lot of people are going, eh, Elias Rivera, what, 28-round draft pick out of Tampa. I mean, what's this guy? And then next thing you know, he's like, yeah, let's go ahead and let's, let's get him to double A, and uh, let's just say that he's one of the top hitters right. in the entire organization. Right. So, And this is a guy that no one ever talked about. I love to talk about. I talked about him all the time. Anytime I was on a podcast, a radio show in Chicago, I was going, guys, Lazarevera, 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 keep out, uh, look out for his name. Everyone's like, dude, who's this guy? He's not even in the prospects. Like, dude, he doesn't have to be. This guy's an absolute stud. So I I love that you just said that. I mean, there's so many guys that we just have not seen that that I can't wait to see. So hopefully me and you can, can talk about them the next month or two. One of those guys that's not there anymore is Tate Blackman. I mean, Tate was last year. Tate was as, as steady as they came, and I mean, another guy, Tyler Frost, too. At one point, I think he was leading the team in home runs from the nine hole. Like, there's, <laughs> and he, I remember one game he, he had a walk off, or in the ninth inning, I think he tied it, and then they, you guys wanted extras. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that we haven't even talked about that are either there now or they were there last year that are, they're gonna make impacts, and you know, they're they're awesome dudes too. Yeah. Can't say it better myself. Uh, last thing, uh, we'll get two more things real quick. Uh, the two guys that are starting the season um, on the injured list, no longer the disabled list, the injured list, uh, Corey Zangari and Jake Berger. Obviously, everybody and their mom knows who Jake Berger is in this organization. With the Achilles injuries, I mean, just just tough luck. 
but that kid's going to be special. Uh, the other guy is Corey, and Corey hit, put up, uh, you know, put up some big home run numbers last year. But uh, have you talked to either one of these two guys yet? What do you know about these two guys? So Corey, I got to know uh, pretty well last year. Right. All the, so he actually came up and played one game for us last year. I believe it was in a great call. He hit six home runs in one week, and they go, yep, you're good now. I think you're healthy. Let's go on up. So exactly. uh, he came up. He, he came up, and in his second at bat, he took a 95-mile-hour fastball off the, off the hand in Hickory and ended up, um, ended up breaking his hand. Uh, shattered hand in a good amount of spots, and and uh, the umpire actually called it foul, and uh, so Justin Jersey was not a very happy man, <laughs> as you can tell. And uh, and hey, the funny thing is, quick story on that: Corey Zingari, he took the lineup card to the umpire the very next day with his cast on, and said, "Hey, sir, it didn't hit. It didn't hit the bat. It hit my hand." <laughs> so that awesome. happened. That just happened, and uh, that was insane. Like, whenever I saw that, I went, oh, my gosh, the umpire is about to get somebody before the game starts. That's hilarious. Um, so he probably felt terrible that day. He, he might have quit umpire, but we don't know. But um, anyways, but yeah, Corey, the guy's got, he, he's, he's a guy who's kind of like Steel Walker. Everyone loves him, and he loves everybody. He's an infectious guy that everyone wants to be around and learn from. The guy who's got so much power, hey, his truck. I just drove his truck the other day. We got it. We brought it in. Of course, he got hurt just a couple of days before he came down. I think the day or two before he came down to Kannapolis. And uh, even his truck, it just it, it's just ginormous, big black truck. It's raised up. It took me about six steps on a high ladder just to get into it. And I was man, only guy like Corey Zangard could get in this truck and be a man about it. And he's just he's a, he's a great guy. The guy's got an insane pop off his bat. I didn't get to see him too much, but from what I did see him and from what I heard from Luis Cabello and a lot of the guys, I mean, he just he just hits absolute lasers and he just wants to be healthy. So like, dude, if he gets healthy, he could be a guy. I mean, what, I think he was a fifth rounder a few years ago, four maybe three, four years ago in 2015 or 2016. If he's healthy, they said that they think that he is one of the top hitters in the entire system. I mean, I'm not saying low A and, and, and just high. They said the entire system. They think Corey is one of the top hitters. And when you look at the guy at Jay Berger, I, I watched him play as a fan three years ago when he came here. The whole place loved him. I think he gave away like $3 burgers in his honor. So, uh, so Lord bless his last name, Jake Berger, and his parents. But, um, but, but I don't know too much about him. I, I really don't. I just know he came from uh, a, a decent old powerhouse baseball school and then was able to uh, – just to keep grinding. He's just a grinder. And, and I just hope that he's able to grind and then just get healthy. That's all it is, man. That's, that's half the battle. It's just being healthy. So um, I, I really hope we get him soon. Again, him and Corey on our DL, I really hope we get them soon. I really do. I hope, I hope, hopefully it's done within a month or two and we get these boys up before, before the All-Star break. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, my brain goes 100 miles an hour. Um, when we were talking about Cade McClure and Tyler Johnson, uh, you know, you know, some fans, some fans realize this and some don't. But, you know, if you play the game, you realize that as well. Or, you know, if you're a broadcaster, I mean, not even I won't even say that because not even all broadcasters realize this. They may think they do, but they don't actually realize this with guys like Tyler and Cade. Their height, you know, that adds it doesn't necessarily add numbers to the gun, but it makes a difference when you're at the plate. When you've got guys that are when you've got mm. guys that are six, five, six, 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 seven. 
it's all about that release point. And when, when you've got a guy that's, you know, 5'9", he's releasing the ball a little further away. But when you've got guys like Cade and Tyler that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", they're releasing that ball closer to you so it jumps on you even faster. I mean, that those that also makes those two guys even that much more effective. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I, don't, I just randomly thought about that. But, I mean, that's definitely something that doesn't need to go uh, unsaid. Oh, yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about with you um, – and, you know, it's funny, we, before we started this, I said, you know, I have no notes, we're just going to go, and um, that, that's the best way to do it. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the coaching staff, um, you know, with Jersh last year, it, it was well known that he was the youngest manager in, in professional baseball, and now he's up in Winston this year, much deserved, I mean, he deserves that so much, and Omar moving up, everyone has deserved it. Um, but what can you tell everyone about Ryan Newman and the new staff? Yeah, so uh, quick thing on, on Justin Griffin and Jamie Disney, of course, they just both moved up. I just FaceTime last night for for about an hour and just to kind of catch up with them and see how they're doing. And, and they're, they're excited. They missed Annapolis. Uh, at least that's what they told me. I don't know if that's true. Guys would be great uh, for the future of the White Sox. Uh, and moving up in the ball system. But, uh, Ryan, uh, so Ryan Newman, uh, phenomenal guy. He's got a good beard, which is always good to have as well. I know the White Sox, they don't like facial hair, but they let the skippers and they let the coaching staff wear it. So I do like that. He's got a good beard. He wears it well. Uh, 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 I guess you could say any any BS. I mean, it, it, for lack of a better word, he he just seems like a straight shooter. Like, hey, I just want you guys to come out and compete. That's all. That's all I'm wanting. Man. And I haven't been able to talk to him in the same amount. I, I did do a little uh, a little story on him for our, our school or not our school paper. I was about to say a school paper, but our <laughs> local paper, the Independent Tribune. And I and I got the. To, to get a little bit more about his family. I mean, he's got a wife, a couple kids. They live down in Arizona, right outside of Camelback Ranch, where it's five minutes away from his house. So he's, he's very White Sox. His dad uh, coached and played in the majors for a while. He played with the Red Sox and a couple other teams. He, he was born and raised, basically, in a, in, in, a, in a major league clubhouse, in a minor league clubhouse. So he knows what he's doing. He's seen it. He's breathed it, and he's lived it. That's exactly what he wants to do as coach baseball. I think he enjoyed his time in Birmingham, and he's going to be able to bring that down here and say, hey, boys, let's compete. We're not just here just to fill all the guys. We're here to get better, to get better every day, and compete, and let's win. Let's, let's have some fun doing that. So he seems like a very uh, fun guy to be around. He's, he's, still, he's, more of a, he's, he's relaxed, not as relaxed as Justin Jersey, just because he was so young and hooked. He even played, I feel like, with a couple of the guys that he's coaching. But right. um, but he, he's great. I mean, you got Cole Armstrong, the guy who was a skipper here in, what, 2016. He was a great guy. I really enjoyed him. Uh, really funny guy. He's a goofball. But the players love uh, Cole Armstrong, the hitting coach. Heard of the Batista, pitching coach. Speaks for himself. The guy played in the majors, what, 13, 14 years. Still holds one of the, the, what, the record for the least amount of pitches ever thrown in the complete game on like 70 pitches. So he knows what he's doing. He's having a blast. The players love to play for him. He uh, helped out Michael Kopech back in Birmingham whenever he first got to the White Sox organization. So uh, everyone loves Jose. He's a, he's a clubhouse name here in Canapolis. And then you have a guy 
and Ryan Johansson. And Clint, you know anything about him? Because he's brand new. And uh, I do. But have you ever heard of him before? I have not. I have not talked to him. I do not know uh, anything, really. I guess it's not about him. And, yeah, so he basically had, like, his own, like, baseball academy. And they had, like, the top-notch uh, top notch data collection in, in all of America when it came to kids in high school trying to reach the collegiate level. So the guy, he, he knows baseball really well. He's a, he's a big-time analyst. I mean, whenever I say big-time, I mean, I was talking to him about, today about stat packs. And I come out every morning at 9 a.m., and he goes, I got this, 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 and this. I'm like, man, this guy knows what he wants. This guy's good. So, I mean, he's went back to Friday, daytime, nighttime, grass, turf, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, we don't have turf in the South Atlantic League. But if you did, I'd give it a stat. But he's, uh, man, he's such an analytics guy, and um, but, which is great. And he's, he's so personable. The players love him already. And this is his first year coaching the minor league baseball. But, you know, get this. He got this job over a DM on Twitter. Someone DM'd him on Twitter. Chris gets found out about him and then called him up and said, hey, I know my buddy DMs on Twitter. I'm going to bring you in for an interview. I'm going to get him down in the job. So Twitter, shout out to Twitter. That, yeah, that got Ryan Newman in the job in professional baseball. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Well, we've been talking for – I called you at uh, – I called you 40 minutes ago. So um, <laughs> we – and we didn't even talk about everything we could talk about. So. I was about to say, we could do this forever. You know Absolutely. How we We're going to wrap it up here, though. Uh, I'm going to let you finish getting ready for the opener tomorrow. Because we we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, I will be down there May 1st. And then, of course, our future Sox night in Kannapolis coming up uh, in June. What is that date? Let me check that again here real quick. Uh, 22nd or something like that? I don't know. Let's see here. June 22nd. Hey, it's whenever, a Saturday. Whenever, whenever Future Sox wants to come down, they come down. Well, thank you so much. Uh, June 22nd <laughs> is our official Future Sox night, and um, it's going to be a blast. I had a lot of fun at the ballpark last year, so I'm sure we'll have a good, uh, good time on the 22nd. Trevor, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you, and uh, I will see you in a few weeks down there, man. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Clint. Hey, God bless. Hey, the White Sox. Have a good one. Time now for another White Sox affiliate preview podcast. This time uh, joining me from, well, he's not in North Carolina right now. He's in uh, Maryland. But uh, Joe Weil, voice of the Winston-Salem Dash. Joe, uh, what's up, man? Uh, what's going on, Clint? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you guys getting ready to go. We're recording this on uh, April 3rd. You guys getting ready to go tomorrow night. Um, and uh, it's going to be another another great season for the Dash. We'll get into some specifics and stuff like that. But first, I want to talk about last season, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how. It might be possible, but I don't know how it's going to be possible to top the season that you guys had last year. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think will just be really hard to recreate because not only did you have 16 of the top 30 prospects in a top five system. But you also had a guy like Omar Vizquel as your manager, who was, of course, the star at the big league level. So it was just a ton of fun last year. And, and obviously the winning was a big factor in it. But the team also had great chemistry. And I think the folks that are covering the Barons this year will see a lot of what you saw in Winston-Salem, not only the players, but the fun that they had as well. But for this year in Winston-Salem, it's going to be a lot of fun as well. I think Justin Jersley's done an incredible job with the Intimidators the last two years, and he has a relationship with just about everybody on our opening day roster. So it should be a lot of fun in Winston-Salem. I know we're looking forward to it. 
you can't expect another 84 and 54 season in, in which you win the first and second half, but um, we're expecting another good team here with a dash. Started the season last year with the uh, the steal of home to, to to clinching it, you know, in June to, you know, I think Laz's walk-off grand slam. And just so, like, as you mentioned, just so many, so many highlights in the season last year. And, and you did, you did say, you know, a guy like Omar, who was a star in the major leagues, and now you've kind of got like the entire opposite of that with Jersh. I mean, the youngest manager in pro baseball. Yeah, it's really neat. And it, what I think is the most neat about it is that he is the youngest manager in full season minor league baseball. And he's in his third year of managing. I mean, the White Sox really did a good job mining the ranks to try to find a young coach and in Jersh, they certainly have it. I mean, what he's done with the intimidators the last two years has been really impressive. As I said earlier, leading him to back-to-back playoff appearances. And I look at last year's team with, with Kannapolis, and it wasn't exactly a star-studded team, yet they did really well and were able to sneak into the playoffs in the second half. And it'll be fun to see what he can do and the rest of the coaching staff as well with a roster like this when you have guys like Nick Madrigal and Luis Robert to start off. And then hopefully down the line we'll see Steel Walker and Jake Berger make their ways through Winston-Salem. So, Again, he's has he's gonna have a roster this year that'll have a lot of talent, and hopefully he can get to another postseason and uh, hopefully win a championship as well. All right, let's get into some of the uh, specific players. Um, tomorrow night, you guys, or well, tonight when this comes out, but uh, Thursday night, April fourth, you guys start. Um, gone are, are Dylan Cease. He he's not there anymore, obviously, but you got some other names though. Um, you know, Lincoln Hinsman, a, a big year last year and uh, kind of adjusting to his new role. You know, he's, he was on a limit, and so he's I'm sure he's fresh and ready to go. Uh, you got a couple other guys. I mean, Alec Hansen, who's who's shown at times to have, you know, some of the, the best stuff in the system, and at, at even times the best stuff, some of the best stuff in the minor leagues period, but just a matter of him harnessing that. Uh, you've got a couple like Blake Battenfield, who had a nice year in Kannapolis last year, and then with Winston. you got a bunch of different guys. Um, on this on this pitching staff that um, you know that that are looking to produce. So, what are you looking for out of that pitching staff this year? Well, I, I'm looking for a lot of consistency, and I do think we are going to get it with our pitching staff. And Lincoln Hensman is going to make the opening day start, and I was really impressed from what I saw from Lincoln last year. We saw the numbers in Kannapolis, and he was limited once he came up to Winston-Salem due to just his innings being capped and making that transition from being a reliever at Louisville to then becoming a starter in the pros. But every time he was on the mound after he was put in an actual starting spot, because when he first came up, he was a reliever, and then Z, our pitching coach, Matt Slesky, decided that it's best to still get him starting reps, even if he's not going five innings he's just going three innings but once he actually started games he was he was almost unhittable and it's interesting with Lincoln because he doesn't blow you away he doesn't have a 99 mile per hour fastball like Dylan Cease could dial up every once in a while but he's so good at locating and he has some stink on his pitches that it's really hard for hitters to make solid contact with and in talking with Lincoln it was just really it was really interesting to get to know him and also understand him as a pitcher and he actually followed Nick and Zach Birdie in the closers role at Louisville. And and early in his time in college, he told me that he wanted to be like that. He wanted to throw really hard. And then he realized over time, that's just not who he is. He can't dial it up to that type of velocity, but he also has really good control so he can work in different ways and get batters out. And he did a really nice job of that last year. 
uh, in a starter's role. I really look forward to seeing him continue to put it together here at the high level. And he's also a really competitive guy as well, so that's pretty fun. But you look at the rest of the rotation. I mean, John Park, he was third among White Sox farmhands in innings pitched, and he didn't really throw all that much in college because he had Tommy John surgery, and then in his final year he didn't pitch a whole lot. But the White Sox saw a lot in him. They, they drafted him and actually paid him over slot for the 21st round in 2017 out of South Carolina. And he gave us some really good innings last year. He gave Canapolis some really good innings last year. And he actually told me that he was uh, training with Max Scherzer over the offseason. Well, he learned a new changeup grip, so that should be fun to watch and, and see. But you have those two guys, Kyle Kubat's back in the starting rotation, and, and it'll be fun to see him back in that role after transitioning to it uh, at the end of last year. You mentioned Blake Battenfield. It was it was unfortunate that he went down with shoulder inflammation at the end of last year because he was starting to put it together and really understand this level. And, and he's a guy that's, again, really crafty. He doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's good at locating. And we saw it with the Intimidators last year. And in a stacked system of pitchers, he was the minor league pitcher of the month of May. And Hopefully he can do something similar again with the dash. So it should be fun to watch those guys. You mentioned Alec Hansen. Uh, he'll be in the bullpen to start, but I, I'm, I'm really excited to see him on the mound and, and, and get back to that 2017 form that I saw personally in Winston-Salem that folks saw in Birmingham and also in Canapolis. And with Alec, I just still always go back to this one game in 2017 against Potomac. He struck out Michael Taylor, who was rehabbing at the time. He's a member of the a big league Washington Nationals, and, he, and Alex struck him out three times. He was, in, he was dominant. So I want to see Alex get back to that form, and it'll be fun to watch him pitch. Let's move to the uh, catchers. Uh, you know, Yerman last year, one game stuck out to me. I think he hit two home runs in one game, and one of them was a walk-off. I think it was a, a during a – it was a doubleheader, I think, maybe of homeward. And, I don't know, remember what it was. Well, it was the first game both, of a right? doubleheader. And he, and he hit two home runs. Yeah, it was – we called it – it was German Mercedes Day because actually – in the second game of that doubleheader, it was August 19th against Wilmington. He actually had a walk-off single, too, so he had two right. walk-offs in one day, which was pretty neat. Pretty, uh, very entertaining guy as well. He's gone, though, I, I believe. Um, <laughs> and uh, Nate Nolan, who was in spring training uh, with the White Sox, I mean, I got to, you know, he was on, t- on TV, I say, but, you know, watching him uh, in spring training. And then Carlos Perez and Daniel Gonzalez, a couple other guys. Uh, Nolan – known more for his defense, I guess you could say, than his offense. So is that something he's, you know, worked on to try and improve this year to take that next step? Yeah, absolutely. And and we look forward to watching Nate continue to progress. And, you know, Guillermo Quiroz, who was our assistant coach last year, he was a former catcher at the big league level. He played a ton of years in pro ball, but he was really impressed with Nate and what he brought to the table, especially on that defensive side. And, but we saw we saw some glimpses of it last year. I think Nate was just taking some time to adjust at the high level. And for some guys, they adjust faster than others. And, and with him, I think coming back to this level will be really, really important for him. And it'll be key to his development. After getting a great experience, like you know, being on a non-roster invite to big league spring training, now he comes back into the fold here. And, you know, hopefully he puts it together more on an offensive side. And, and we saw, again, stretches in which he was looking pretty good. I remember one game at Down East, he actually had five RBIs in a game, and he hit a ball to dead center out of the, you know, out of, out of the ballpark for a home run at Granger Stadium. So he's a guy that has some pop. It's just all about putting it together consistently. 
but it'll be fun to watch him, and we're glad to have Gonzo back. He's a he's a fan favorite, great guy, great clubhouse guy too. That uh, is good at talking to other players when they need to be talked to, and he's also a perfect person to have because he speaks really good English, and you know he's obviously from Venezuela, so he can help translate. He can help talk to guys and break barriers, which. Again, I think it was really the key for us last year is we had great chemistry because the American guys would always talk to the Latin guys, and hopefully Gonzo can play a part in that. And then Carlos Perez, just looking at what he did last year, he threw out 23 of 64 would-be base stealers. That's pretty impressive. So to have a good defensive catcher is always a key thing. Moving on to the uh, infielders, Joe, um, you know, a lot of these guys uh, – some of them were were known. Some of them weren't to the average Sox fan. Uh, we're gonna start with Madrigal, of course, because um, if you if you paid attention to Sox Twitter, <laughs> a lot of people pining for Madrigal to be called up sooner rather than later. And I mean, the, the reality of it is, yeah, he's gonna be up there, and, and yeah, he's got uh, you know world class talent, but uh, he's still in high A, and he's still got stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. And with Nick, uh, he was really impressive last year. And, and the more I think about what he did last year, the more I'm actually impressed by it because he hit over 300. He still kept up that thing of not striking out. Uh, he posted an on-base percentage above 350. And you know he was doing it after playing a long college season. And, and you see that a lot with hitters is that they don't keep the same numbers that they had in college because one – you're adjusting to different pitching, wood bats. You want to, you know, you want to impress right off the bat the people that drafted you. Uh, and, and Nick really handled all of that extremely well. And then defensively, he's on a whole other world. He made some really, really nice plays last year defensively out there at second base. I think the White Sox putting him back here at the high level was a smart thing. There's no reason to rush his development. Uh, in any way because the White Sox are not at a point where they really need to. You know, they're still in that rebuilding phase. So put your first-round pick back at the high A level. See if he can drive the ball a little bit more gap to gap. I think that's the thing we just didn't see from Nick last year. But we certainly know that it's in him. And, and he did great in spring training. I think he hit 389, and he really did a good job gelling in with the other guys. He was telling me about uh, – talking with Tim Anderson and joking around with Yolmer Sanchez, and he knows William Jimenez a little bit as well, and those two were joking. So he's going to be a huge part of the White Sox future. He's got a great head on his shoulders. I mean, he's a really, really good guy. He gets it. He understands what it means to be a first-round pick, how to handle the media and all the things that come with that. And uh, he's a gamer, too. I mean, he's super, super competitive, and that goes all the way back to his childhood and, and having a twin brother and – and those two always playing baseball against one another. But you read anything about Nick Madrigal, it's his competitiveness that really separates him and allows him to be as good as he is as someone who's only 5'7". But he understands that he's a small guy, and he knows that it also just doesn't limit him in any way. He can still do many different things on a baseball field, and, and we're lucky we get to have him for however long it is to start the season. One guy that uh, is not going to be in Winston anymore is uh, Gavin Sheets. And Gavin, uh, a guy that, you know... A lot was made of him, his, him not hitting home runs. But I know, I, you know, I talked to him this off season. I'm sure you have as well. He knows that. He knows that for him to, uh, to progress throughout the system and eventually get to the south side, he's going to have to start hitting home runs, and and um, and he's well aware of that. But uh, you know, there's no nicer guy, you know, that that's around a clubhouse than Gavin Sheets. And you were around him a lot more than I was. But you know, whenever I was around Gavin. 
always very polite, always very nice, and also one heck of a baseball player. Yeah, absolutely. We were thrilled to have Gavin last year for the entire year, and uh, he was a great guy from day one, and that's all we get heard from people from Wake Forest. And he was a, a great clubhouse guy, a guy that really helped bring people together. He would take uh, or he would have he would, with his teammates, he'd always want to have team dinners. And again, he was a guy that did gel from both sides, the American side and the Latin side as well. And he was someone that was just so popular really among everybody. But uh, with, with Gavin on, on, on the on-field side, yeah, you're totally right. He's aware that, that the power will need to come as he continues to go up the ladder with the White Sox. At the same time, looking back on last year, it's not like he struck out a, a whole lot and then there was no power. And I think if, if, if you had both of those circumstances of him not hitting home runs and striking out a lot, you would be a little concerned. But at the same time, he did a, a really nice job not striking out a lot, putting the ball in play, driving in a lot of runs, getting on base. And as he continues to just be in the pros and, and get a little bit more accustomed to that i think the power will continue to come james stegan did a really great article about him in the offseason talking about how he feels like this upcoming year is going to be his junior season at wake forest in which he hit 21 home runs and had 84 rbis and uh, you know from the early goings he, he he had mentioned that he just didn't feel like he had his power stroke and i i asked him after he had a stretch where he hit uh home runs in back-to-back games i uh, just where he thought that was the beginning and then he just, you know, he just said to me pretty much that he, he just, he just didn't feel like he had it in him at that point. At the beginning of the season, the balls just weren't flying off his bat in batting practice the way they used to be. But then you'd see it in stretches throughout the year where he would really drive the baseball. And, and, and actually, the one home run that still sticks with me, and it's probably gonna be the one I always think of Gavin for, is he had a three-run shot against J.B. Bukowskis, who was a former first-round, first-round pick. With the Astros, this was at Bowie's Creek where the ball does not fly really well. And Bukowski, he threw a fastball in, and Gavin turned on it and crushed it. And you look at something like that, and you're like, okay, there's so much power in there. It's all going to come for Gavin over time. Uh, and, again, getting to know him throughout last year, I, I mean, a great person, a really high-character guy that the White Sox uh, should be thrilled that they have. And then just from getting to know him, obviously now – becoming a biased person in saying this, but I really hope he, you know, he, he goes on to become a, a, a regular in the big leagues, especially at first base for the White Sox. Uh, one of the new guys on the infield this year will be Tate Blackman. Tate uh, spent last year in Kannapolis and another guy from a, a big school. He went to Ole Miss. Um, you know, a guy that often got overlooked last year because of how well, you know, Laz played in Kannapolis and then Madrigal is there. And then Curbelo and, you know, some of the other big names of Blackman, a solid, solid baseball player. Well, and Blackman actually is someone that I knew previously before getting into pro ball. He was on my Cape team in Falmouth in 2015. He'd actually just come off this freshman season and, uh, and then went out to do some really nice things for Ole Miss before getting drafted by the White Sox. So it was cool to, to, to oh, see cool. Tate Blackman. I actually saw I saw him in the in the locker room uh, when he when they, the guys first got in. I'm like, oh, it's so nice to have a found with Commodore. And then he, and we turned around and then just talked for a little bit. But um, no, Tate did a great job last year with uh, with the Intimidators, and he had a great first half. And then if you look at the numbers in the second half, I, he, he tailed off a little bit. And I haven't had a chance to sit down with Tate just to ask him about it. But again, that's something that I think happens to people in their first year of pro ball. And once you have one full year under your belt, you have a chance to learn 
how to really get through a season um, in all the, the various types of ways. There's a physical part of it. There's also a mental side of it as well. And, and I think a perfect example of just all this is Blake Rutherford from last year. Now, granted, he you know Tate wasn't traded or anything like that, but Blake went through his first full year of pro ball, and I think people were – yeah, I, I think, it, especially by Blake's standards, it probably wasn't what he wanted to do throughout that first full season. But then he bounced back with us and had a great year, and now he's in Birmingham and added on some weight, and I look forward to seeing what he's doing this year. I think Tate, now that he's got a year under his belt, has to feel pretty good about himself and, and looking back at last year saying, hey, I was a first-half South Atlantic League All-Star. In the second half, okay, the results weren't there like they were in the first half, but now I have that experience of learning from it. Let's move on. Uh, I mean, there's a couple other guys. I mean, we could sit here and talk all night about some of these guys. Let's move to the outfield. Um, a few new faces. A uh, guy from uh, Indiana University, Craig Didolo. Um, and then, you know, uh, another guy, uh, Tyler Frost, who, you know, led, you know, at one point was leading Canavals in home runs out of the nine spot last year. I mean, there, there's a couple other guys as well. But then, of course, Luis Robert. And Luis Robert is. Outside of, of Madrigal and Cease and, and Kopech and Eloy, I mean, Luis Robert is is someone White Sox fans are the most excited about. And he's been battling those injuries, but it looks like he's ready to go. And he, some of the stuff he did in spring training was, was unbelievable. So Luis is not only is that, not only is he a great player, but he's a, he's a character as well. So uh, kind of tell the fans, I guess, what's been your interaction with Luis and what you're expecting out of him. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting big things out of Luis, and I think he, the reason I feel that way is that when he played last year, he was obviously dealing with that thumb injury all season long, but I think there's also something to be said about acclimating to the United States and living full-time in the U.S., and that's something that Rick Hahn actually talked about before the season in regards to Luis, saying that this is going to be a bigger adjustment for Luis than just the playing side, but now that he's been here for a little bit, he's healthy, knock on wood, that stays that way. But I, with all those things coming together, I, I really do expect big things. And we saw these, these moments last year with Luis that were just jaw-dropping. And uh, most of it was defensively, but from a speed side, we also saw a lot as well. And then from a power side, in batting practice, I mean, he was launching balls to deep, deep left center and I remember it was actually the first batting practice after uh, he came back from his initial thumb injury in his first go-around with us that Dashing coach Charlie Poe, after seeing uh, Robert hit three absolute missiles, he just, like, turned to me and said, like, oh, that's $26 million right there. <laughs> uh, it, 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 was, it was really cool to see Luis do that. We want to obviously see that in gameplay, but – Going back to the defense I just mentioned briefly, he would get the balls in the gaps that you would think would be extra base hits. And he just had this blazing speed that allowed him to get to those balls. And then we also saw him steal a fair share of bases as well. So, again, I think this year is going to be different. He's healthy. He's acclimated to the United States. He's also played at this level before, so I think he knows what to expect from the baseball side as well. Uh, he's got to be excited and, and just chopping at the bit to get going here and really show people what he can do in the States. And, and we all have seen the videos of, of things that he did in spring training, both last year and this year. We want to see it in gameplay. I'm really excited to watch it. And he's one guy that I just look forward to catching every single day. And 
and uh, hope to, to pick my jaw off the floor like I did at, at, at points last year watching him on the base paths and also on the field. Uh, a handful of guys that were in the outfield last year uh, at one point or another headed up to uh, Birmingham. You kind of mentioned Blake already, but Luis Gonzalez. Um, and then Basabe, who's obviously hurt, but he's already, he was already there. And then uh, Mike Rodolfo, who's uh, last night, I don't know if you saw in their little uh, game against uh, a smaller college, he just hit an absolute rocket. So it's uh, it's good to see Mike back. And I was telling, you know, I was telling some of the uh, some of the people at Soxfest that, you know, if Mike wouldn't have gotten hurt, I mean, you know, Mike was walking around. I mean, not a ton of people knew him, but uh, if Mike wouldn't have gotten hurt last year, there's no way he would have been able to walk around Soxfest like he did without people knowing who he was. And I fully expect him to have a monster season this year. Yeah, Micah was Micah was incredible. And in the first month of the season, nobody in the Carolina League could stop him. No. Pitchers started to figure it out a little bit in May, and you saw the numbers taper off after just how torrid he was in April. But then Micah picked it right back up before he ultimately got shelved for the rest of the season. But the power was incredible for Micah. He hit a ball to dead center over the batter's eye. He hit one, he hit several balls, I should say, over the knoll out there on my center field at the AB&T ballpark. He was a lot of fun to watch, and he is someone that we had heard a lot about in years past, but as you're seeing Miker continue to get older, the numbers continue to get better, and that's exactly what you want if you're a White Sox fan. But Miker is just starting to come into his own as a player, and it was really, really fun to watch him uh, at the plate last year and just see the things that he did. And there's a different sound off his bat when he makes contact with the ball than most players. And, and that in itself is special, but there also needs to be substance to that. And we saw a lot of that uh, with the dash last year at Micah. And what people don't realize is he's got uh, one wheel of an arm too. And yeah. that, that, that throwing arm is, or his, his throwing strength is, I don't know, you know, you obviously seen a lot more. I mean, I saw a good amount of, I saw about 50 games last year between the, the three North Carolina affiliates, but obviously you've seen a lot more. I don't know where he ranks overall in the system. I see what, you know, Fangraphs puts and guys that, well, I mean, let's be honest, they, how many games they actually really see. But I don't know, where do you think his arm strength compares to some of these other guys? Well, you know what? You may have to disqualify me because I actually ne- the, the, the shame was I never really saw it. Uh, I, I have only heard it, it's funny. The things I've heard now feel like they're mythical in some ways because <laughs> I've just heard about the strength of his arm and we saw him throw a little bit last year, but it was really just testing out the strength of it. Uh, and then when he started to let loose, obviously he got hurt and then he was shelled for the rest of the season. That's the one shame of him being in Birmingham. I'm, I'm pumped for Mike because he's a great guy and uh, I want to see him continue to just, you know, get up to Chicago. But I wish that we could have seen him throw and I don't want him to come back here to have to see that. So that means he's got to get to Chicago so I can watch him on the big screen and be in awe of him throwing. But I, I have to be disqualified just because I never really saw him throw. I wish I did. Um, but I got to see him hit, so there, I guess there's something for that, too. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. What else am I missing? Uh, what other? What are some other things? I know there's a couple local kids on the team, uh, Will Cannon and Zach Lewis from the Chicagoland area that are on the uh, on the club. But who are some other things I'm missing that maybe that uh, White Sox fans should know about this Winston-Salem club? Well, I, I think the coaching staff is going to be great. I We, we talked about Justin Jersley a little bit. 
Matt Zaleski has, has done a really nice job with all the pitchers that he has worked with, a lot of success stories. And, and we talked about Alec Hansen beforehand, but the re, one of the reasons I think they wanted to bring Alec back to the dash both at the end of last year and to start him off this year is to work with Z because Z was the one that he worked with at the beginning when he was in Great Falls and a lot of things clicked for Alec and the same thing happened when the two are in Kannapolis together in 2017. He's a guy that the, the White Sox farmhands have a lot of trust in on the pitching side. He does a really good job connecting with uh, the pitchers as well. And it's been fun to watch him again. He's also a young guy as well. He's below 40 and he's, I don't want to say mastered it because who is who really masters anything, but I mean, he's as good a minor league coach as you could find in, in, in any of the 30 minor league or major league organizations. Then Jamie Nismuke, again, same deal. He's had a lot of success stories coming out of Canapolis. You, you talk about some of the names that are starting to pop up on these lists and guys that are being talked about for future big league jobs, Mike Rodolfo being one of them, Laz Rivera, they all worked with Jamie and Canapolis is where they really got their start in many ways. You talk about Laz, who put himself on the radar last year by leading the South Atlantic League in batting average and then Mike in 2017 really putting it all together for the first time in his career. There are a lot of success stories coming out from, from Z, from Dismuke, from, from Justin Jersley as well. So that, to me, is really exciting that you have these three guys, all of which know the players, but are also guys that have great track records as well. And I, and I think when you think about the Dash this year, they're in good hands on the coaching side. And then on top of that, as we've already talked about, the players that are here to begin the season uh, are pretty impressive. And even if you haven't heard of the names, you will very soon because as this coaching staff has shown, it, it, once you work with them, they, they, they in many cases get the best out of the players. That's really all you can ask for on a minor league side. All right, Joe, we've uh, been chatting for about a half hour. I think, um, you know, like I said, we could talk baseball all night. But uh, let's get back to your uh, prep work for the season for tomorrow's opener. And uh, I will see you in Winston in a couple weeks. And then for our future Sox night coming up uh, June 21st, I want to say, Friday, June 21st. That'll be a great time at the ballpark. But I want to thank you for uh, taking your time out of your uh, prep work tonight, man, to uh, take some time with us and for all the uh, future Sox listeners. Thank you so much. No problem, Clint. Appreciate it. All right. That was Joe Wild, voice of the Winston-Salem Dash, here on the Future Sox podcast. Welcome back to another Future Sox, White Sox affiliate podcast, and joining me from Mississippi, the voice of the Barons, it's Kurt Bloom. Kurt, thank you for uh, joining me tonight, and it's almost time for baseball. Yeah, first of all, uh, thanks for having me, and second of all, most importantly, thanks for not introducing me as the longtime voice. I hate hearing <laughs> that. <laughs> I might have been here for a while, but I just, it's just one of those phrases that doesn't agree, but yeah, you know, we've been waiting. Uh, I know my body physically, mentally needs uh, up until January, uh, but since January, we've been waiting a couple of months for this day and this night and, and the whole thing. It's our time. This is what we do. Everybody in our industry, uh, this is what we're born to do, and, and we're all excited. And remember, everybody is, is undefeated at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. So I spent uh, 
last year. Um, so I worked with Joe Weil at, at IMG for the last few years. And uh, so last year I was in North Carolina um, and I saw about 50 different uh, games between the three affiliates. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of these guys that are on the Barons roster this year, I saw them in Winston last year. And, uh, you know, as I told you before, we're going to break it down. We'll start the pitching staff and get to the catchers, infielders, outfielders. Um, and then the uh, manager who Omar, I mean, that's Omar and his staff. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun for you this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll get to Omar and his group in a second. But let's start with that pitching staff. A lot of these guys, as I mentioned, uh, guys that I saw in Winston last year. But I want to start with one in particular that uh, did spend some time in Birmingham as well, and that was Bernardo Flores. I mean, Mr. Mr. Quality Start and uh, the, the lefty from California. What did you see from Flores last year? And, uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that guy? Consistency is the first word that I think of. Um, I got a stat, and we'll start your, your whole podcast right out right out of the gate with a stat, um, and I'll be using it when he starts. Ten of his thirteen starts, he goes six or plus, in, six or more innings, uh, and that was impressive because he got called up from a ball to double A. Uh, you could just rely on him. You could put in uh, unless something drastic happens. You could put in the guys going six innings, um, six plus. Right. And I, I will tell you what: there's not there's there's no one that's going to turn their back. No organization on the back that a guy who's like that is reliable, keyword reliable. He doesn't get hurt. He's lucky. He's got the kind of flexibility, the body, uh, the physique, everything just falls into, uh, into place where um, he's just got that infamous rubber arm. Um, and not only that, he's, uh, he combined that with a great competitor. And I, I think what's, what's happening now is that he tastes and he feels and he sees that he's even closer than he even thought uh, to accomplishing that big league dream. So certainly – uh, between Flores and Lambert, uh, those guys will anchor the Barons' rotation, and you know, hopefully, uh, you're looking at uh, well over ten wins apiece, uh, and then you know on and upward to Charlotte, and, and then on uh, in. But uh, Flores is a lot of fun, and, and, and the first thing is, is again the consistency, knowing before the game is over with, and if I want to start my scorecard, I could probably start it around the sixth and seventh inning and go, yep, he's still going to be in, and. I'll take that. I'll take that from any starter, and I think any any uh, organization, whether it's minor leagues, major leagues, uh, uh, Angels, Dodgers, Yankees, uh, White Sox, it doesn't matter. That kind of consistency is hard to find this day, these uh, days. Uh, these days, and especially when you got uh, velocity that that's a big uh, um, uh, indicator, and then um, uh, pitch count. Everyone's worried about these things, but with him, you don't worry about it. You let him go out there, and you know that he will give you a competitive start. Look, the, other, the other stat is that he had a, a two-something ERA in double-A, and, and this is a very, very good league. And he had to earn those numbers after getting promoted from Winston-Salem. And a lot of times, guys hit a wall. They hit a brick, brick wall. They come up from eight ball, and the competition is different. The hitters are bigger, and the hitters are better, and they're more advanced. But in his case, he kept this incredible season going so what he did with us in Birmingham is what everybody saw in Winston-Salem, and you could you know say the same thing. What what Winston saw is what Birmingham saw. And Jimmy Lambert, a guy you mentioned, um, you know both those guys going to last year. I mean, unless you're a, a diehard White Sox fan and you, you knew the system pretty well, those weren't guys that um, you know really were on your radar in terms of a, a top thirty list. You know, you obviously with Kopech and Cease and. And Dunning, you know, those guys, I mean, Flores and and Lambert weren't really there, but those two guys, I mean, had monster years last year. And, uh, and, you know, they both had a good spring training, and 
you know, Sox fans are now they're following these two guys and you know, they're thinking, hey, these two guys might be part of that that fifth spot in the rotation of the White Sox. You know, when they're when it's time for them to at least have a shot at that fifth spot, when it's time for them to compete. Well, with the, with the graduations of both Kopech and Cease from graduating from Double A AA to Triple A in the big leagues, and we know Kopech's situation, Dunning is also hurt. In my estimation, I think the number one arm starting 2019 in the system is Lambert. That, that, that's it was an electric arm, um, a tick below what we saw from Cease but he's able to keep his fastball high in the zone, gets a lot of swing and misses, great breaking ball, great competitor. Um, and you just hope that, uh, that, that Jimmy's able to stay healthy. Um, after five very impressive starts last year, he, he tweaked an oblique, and the season was that good. The innings were that high. They just said shut it down. So we kind of lost the last, uh, what would have been about three or four starts out of him. He stays healthy. Um, I, I think, again, he's the next one. I think he's... he's the, the Kopech is, is graduated and Cease graduated. Dunning has graduated. Jordan Stevens has all, they, all these guys have made their move, conquered and, and done well in the Southern League, moved up to the next level. And I think your number one guy from double A all the way down right now, the arm is Lambert. And, um, and I think he, he's kind of guy who's, uh, uh, that, that accepts that challenge. I think again, going to big league camp and finding out what that was like, that was a great experience for him too. But, uh, he doesn't have to uh, uh, sit behind anybody for very long. And, and again, I, I could see him easily getting off to a good start and pushing, like you said, pushing his way towards a big league uh, spot or big league rotate or big league, uh, maybe a fill in or something along the lines. Uh, not, not immediately, not April, but, you know, certainly he'll be on the, uh, uh, he's already on the radar and on the map, but he'll be in their thoughts and his name will come up if he pitches the way he's expected to pitch. Uh, two other pitchers I wanted to talk about before we move on to the uh, catchers. Uh, first is, is a guy starting uh, on the seven-day DL. Got him. That's uh, DL IL. IL um, came over last year is uh, Cody Medeiros. Now you know some fans knew. I mean, former uh, top prospect for um, organization, and then you know maybe not of not knowing as much about Cody. But what can you tell? I guess our, our listeners, our fans about Cody. Well, let's start off with his background. Um, kid from Hawaii, so uh, all of a sudden that's an attraction. You don't have a whole lot of Hawaiian-born um, minor leaguer, major leaguers. There are some, um, but uh, that, that's the first thing. And to be recognized on the island, obviously you got to be pretty damn good because it's it's not easy to um, get scouts, especially you know an East Coast team to run somebody out that way. Uh, but he was a high school first round pick by the Brewers, uh, so this yeah. guy is you know his pedigree is is really good. Uh, very, very interesting because the Barons open up were in Biloxi. Uh, he was with Biloxi last year, double A for Milwaukee. And he was having a very good, solid season with their staff, with the Shuckers. Then the trade came. And you got to remember, he's still a young kid, very young. I don't think he's 21 yet. And the trade really rattled him. Um, it was something that who on earth would have expected, certainly not him. Um, there's not a college guy that was prepared for anything along those lines. Uh, and no one's really prepared for your first trade. But I think this one really got him by surprise. Uh, and I looked at his eyes after the trade a day or two later, and, and you could just see that he was his head was spinning. Um, so we actually started the season without him because he's on the DL. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't 
the White Sox and the Barons didn't see the healthy one, uh, the, 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 the one that was pitching that well in Biloxi. Um, he was not commanding his stuff. And now that, that he's missing the start, uh, at least one start this time around. So it's kind of, kind of, again, this small baseball world, this is where he was. He certainly would have loved to have been here and pitch against his, you know, organization, but he won't have that chance, um, uh, until later on in the year. Uh, that said, look, a lefty first round pick by the Brewers, um, and a young fresh arm. So there's a lot there, but, He's got to transfer what he was doing with Biloxi over to Birmingham and then get himself back uh, on their on their radar. I think, and I, I certainly could be wrong, I think projections are um, for him to be a pretty good lefty out of the bullpen. You can add a little bit more velocity. Um, I'm not sure if he ultimately projects as a starter, and it's a dangerous word, but what you do is you give him um, as many innings as possible, and then you just figure it out after that. But I, I think in a short stint, an inning and a, and a third, and four batters, five batters from the left side, he could be really tough. That is yet to be seen again. Did it in Biloxi, did not, was not able to repeat it in Birmingham, but I know why. I mean, his head again was spinning and swirling, wondering, you know, wow, I, you know, I thought number one pick, what, and I thought I'd get to the big leagues with the Brewers, and all of a sudden he's in a different locker room, same league, no less, which makes it, you know, a little, a little even tougher to swallow. The other guy I want to talk about, another guy with a, an unbelievable arm. A guy I just actually uh, talked to tonight saying he's said he's uh, going to be starting in extended spring training and then uh, headed out to uh, Birmingham is Tyler Johnson. Um, a guy that man, I saw him at the beginning of the year last year in Kannapolis and was just blown away. And then obviously we saw what he did last year um, at Kannapolis and then at Winston-Salem. And that guy is, uh, that guy is something special. Well... If I told you anything about him, I would be lying. And I'm a pretty good liar, but I've uh, never seen the kid in my life. Um, if he was sitting in my uh, hotel room, uh, I'd have to introduce myself. <laughs> Wouldn't know. Uh, I know reputation, yeah. and I know uh, that they think, the Sox think, that, again, this is a, a bright arm. Um, I don't think, if I'm not making a mistake here, I don't think the numbers have quite added up to the potential and the love of his arm, his arm strength, and the things that he can do. I, I, I think some numbers somewhere along the lines, although the ERA and maybe a couple walks here and there a little higher than um, than the, the overall potential. Um, we've got, once you get past the first three guys in a rotation, there's definitely room for, for Tyler to get to Birmingham um, as soon as he's ready. And what right. I mean by that, we have some veterans at the back, veterans in the bullpen that – that was certainly um, not going to prevent him. When he's ready, he will make his statement and say, "I'm here," and uh, and I'll be I'll be part of the Barons. But uh, at the moment, uh, other guys are holding it down. A guy that was in the big leagues, free agent signed uh, in late February by the White Sox by uh, by the name of Sean Nolan. So so there's no Tyler Johnson. So we got a Sean Nolan, uh, Felix Paulino, who came over late last year uh, from the Phillies. He'll take uh, uh, spot four in the rotation. So. There's, there's two openings, four or five, plus some, some bullpen, that they're holding it down until Maderos and Johnson are ready. There's no rush. That also gives the, the White Sox and those two kids the luxury of not having to uh, speed up their uh, rehab process at all and just take it uh, slowly at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, most pitchers are going no more than 75 to 80 pitches one or two times around anyways. Um, yeah, I'll just be a little bit behind, but I always look at it this way. This is the way I've always looked at team 
I don't think you really know who your team is until mid-late May. That's when, because you've had moves by that time. You've had moves, guys up, guys down, guys hurt, guys uh, wherever. And that's when your team, the one that will either try to win the first half or start developing for the second half, that's when things get molded um, somewhere around that early, mid-May. And then you're going to go, that's the team that people are going to be talking about May, June, July, August. Uh, you know, again, you might have some calls for them. But the core of your team will be then not what got on the bus with me today. All right, let's move to the uh, catchers. A couple guys um, spent at different uh, different levels last year, Yerman Mercedes and Alfredo Gonzalez. Uh, you know, with, uh, with Zach Collins moving on and uh, Sebi moving on as well, you've got uh, a couple new catchers. Both of those guys, they look very similar. Um, two right-handed hitters that uh, I, I think they're both going to be able to handle the pitching stuff, which is their number one job. Um, and I'm actually, when you look at Mercedes's numbers, this guy, uh, he's hit practically everywhere he's been, right. when he's been, uh, 14 home runs last year in Winston-Salem. Uh, he's a fun, fun guy. Uh, speaks Spanglish, as we say, uh, there's a little bit of English along with the Spanish, but uh, he's always laughing, having fun. Alfredo's got a little bit more veteran in him in terms of uh, the fact that he did get to the big leagues last year, but their number one goal, both of them is to handle the staff. I think they're very similar uh, in, in where Zavala and Collins were different, especially one's a right-handed right, right hitter slash switch, and the other guy's strictly left. One was power, one can hit for power, but maybe a little bit more of gap-to-gap. And there was just a difference uh, in both of them. I think these two guys are more similar. Um, and you see, you know, one, one thing that I have to notice, I'm watching a major league roster in my in major league games, so many of these catchers, that were in the Southern League. I'm, I'm looking at Jesus Sucre, who had been in the Southern League for years, and he was opening day catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. And so what that means, guy like Alfredo Gonzalez and Yerman Mercedes, they're on the bus here in the Hotel of Biloxi, but there's no doubt that they certainly could be catchers um, in the big leagues for another team, another organization. It's such a neat position. Someone goes down, and you never know where someone else makes a trade immediately and brings one of these guys up. So I think they're very capable. It's just what we're what we're talking about. We don't have a young prospect at that position like we did last year. We had two. Yeah. So let me ask you about them before we move on to the infielders with Sebi and Zach. I mean, what did you? How did you see Zach's? Uh, I mean, everyone knows he's got a great eye at the plate and he can hit. And that you know, you know, Sebi made it to chart last year. But what did you see in Zach's defense? I guess um, how did that improve? I guess from uh, from the moment he got to Birmingham to to when he left. Oh, the key the key word was improvement. And what he worked on was really his pitch calling as much as anything else, handling the staff and calling the game. And when you do a post game show like I do, uh, and you bring the pitchers up, that's when you get your best feedback, and you can feel it as the season went on, that he was getting better and better behind the plate. They kept giving him um, a lot of credit. It wasn't like that in April and May. You're wowed by his power. You're wowed by the end of the day. He's, he's the top three in the minor leagues and walks. You, you were not wowed like, oh, my God, wow, he called a great game. Or, boy, did he um, hail that staff. But as the season progressed and as the season developed more and more pitchers would come up and say, Hey, Zach and I were on the same page. Zach and I were on the same page. But Sebi, I, that, that's not 
a problem. He's, he's caught those guys for a couple of years, lower levels, um, uh, from, from Kannapolis to even, I guess, rookie ball, Kannapolis, Winston, Birmingham, he's very familiar, takes a lot of pride in that area. Um, that's something that immediately he's calling, as I say, upper-level pitches. Um, when you're in Winston, you're getting a 2-1 fastball. When you're in Birmingham, you might get a 2-1 slider, 2-1 changeup. And Seve was already adopted. I took a lot of pride in that. He knew that that would be his ticket uh, to higher levels and, and hopefully getting to the big leagues. Now, he just happened to come with a lot of power that you look at the year before he got to Birmingham, he led the organization in home runs. Hit 11 in a short, short time with Birmingham. Um, hurt his hand, slowed down. That really hurt his numbers, and then eventually got promoted up to AAA anyways. But, uh, you know, you, you, what you have there, and that's a position, again, you can't have enough of them, but what you have is, is really two pretty good options if you're the White Sox to fall back on when you're ready or when you're ready to, um, to take a look at either of them or you're ready to turn the club over again. You get McCann and, uh, and, and uh, Castillo. If, if, if one needs to be traded or, or the team's out of the race, you can bring one of those two guys up and, and you know, start getting them some big league flavor, big league um, uh, at-bats. So what do you think of uh, Collins getting some work at first base then? Well, it's what still many scouts have talked about um, for quite some time. And I like it. And if I'm Zach, the way I look at it is this. If this is going to help me get to the big leagues, great. And the Barons this year, and he's, and he's only been a Baron for three days, is, is Gavin Sheets. And I can tell you that below and above, there's not a lot of traffic. So if I'm yes. Collins, knowing that Abreu is – he might be traded. Uh, Abreu uh, is on the, the other end of, of what was – what has been a real nice White Sox career. But if I'm Collins, the way I look at it is great. Give me a glove. Let's go at it. And if that's going to help me get to big leagues and platoon, um, great. Fantastic. I don't, I can't answer for Zach. I know Zach's a very prideful guy and I know he'd rather get there as a catcher and he'd rather try to prove people wrong. Um, I like it. It's what scouts, I listen to scouts. Scouts know more than I do. They tell me that that's where, they think he projects, and that's where they would put him. Scouts, if if if, if scouts were GMs, <laughs> then right. they would put Collins at first base and let him play and see what happens. All right, let's get to the uh, infielders. I know you mentioned Gavin a little bit, but uh, spoke with Gavin this off season, and you know he's he's well aware that uh, I mean he walks and he sees pitches, and you know he works count, and you know all those good things. He's well aware that he needs to hit the ball out of the ballpark for him to have a, uh, a chance of, of moving up to the major leagues eventually. Now, you know, watching in BP and, and watching, you know, BP is one thing and games is another thing, but right. it's, it's sure. sound, yeah, and it sounds like Gavin is, you know, I talked with Joe tonight uh, while with the uh, dash and coming from Gavin himself, he knows, he's told Joe, they, you know, they've talked about it. It's no secret Gavin's going to have to hit for more power. I just hope that he doesn't lose 20 points on his batting average. Trying to do so. The last few, you know, the last few years, and, and really the, the last hitter, and I mean quality, use the field hitter, uh, coming out of Birmingham, and in my mind it was Marcus Simeon, and you see what he's done now in the big leagues. And that was a guy that you just couldn't get out and a guy that used the entire field. Um, and then there's Eloy. And, and, you know, I don't want to forget that. a different type of hitter than Simeon. But you take those two guys away, and I can't remember a guy hitting near 300 
So if, if I just, for Sheets' sake, I, I just hope if he loses five, ten points off his batting average, but then adds some home runs, great. But as a fan of the game, I don't want to see him go from, I think he had 290-something last year, down to 240 with uh, 75 more strikeouts just to hit a few more home runs. Right. I don't think, I don't think, and I'm not, and I'm not running the club. My name is not Rick Hahn, um, but I just don't think that that trade is worth it. He's still young. He seems, I've had a, a couple of conversations, seems to be a very intelligent uh, individual, great family, great yep. bloodlines and all that. Be patient and, and, and let him uh, adjust and let him find a little loft if he has to. Uh, it would just, again, you just rarely have Southern League guys that hit 285 and above. The Barons have had, I just named two, Eloy and, and, and Marcus Simeon. That's, you know, that's six years of, of, of 250s and 260s, and, and you're, you're taking that. You know, you're like, wow, okay, a guy hit 260, had a good year. You hit 260 is a terrible year. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's called a good year. But, uh, you know, that's the thing with, with, with Chiefs. And I'll know once we get started that if he starts pulling um, and then sacrificing his batting average because he's got to, you know, get double digits and home runs. And I'll tell uh, your, your uh, people that are, are listening and that will hear, listen back to this, um, our ballpark that, that will be in year seven, it still plays rather big. Uh, it, it, we, we thought Hoover met where we were was big. And it is. This one is, is uh, Regents Field is, is not an easy park. you got to earn it. There's one area for a left-handed hitter that she should be able to take advantage of, and that is to right center. There seems to be a nice little jet stream there. Ball carries better there than anywhere else in the park. So that's what he should be looking to right center field. Um, what would be if you're looking at our uh, home plate and then we have our batting cages in the outfield and right field, and to what would be my left of those cages. That's, that's the area where he should shoot for. Um, and uh, there's a berm up there a little bit to the left. You know, that, if he's hitting the ball that way and, uh, and even down the left field line, great. But, but I'd, I'd hate to see at the end of the year he hit 235 with 17 home runs. 235, what is 235, for goodness yes. sakes? You're going to go into a prolonged slump, you know, um, and there's been too many of those 235s uh, in the last six or seven years. One other guy I want to talk about on the infield um, is uh, Laz Rivera, a guy who, uh, let's see, he'll be, oh, let's see, do some math here. He'll be 25 uh, in September, but a guy who started last year in Kannapolis and put up some big numbers and then continued those numbers in Winston-Salem, um, a guy you'd think, because maybe of his age, he's a little older, um, that uh, if he produces, I mean, you don't think he's I wouldn't imagine he's going to be down there in double A for too long. Well, he reminds me, we haven't even played a game, but it's just a little, it's a Danny Mendick-ish type story. Just a slightly older guy, a college guy. Um, and in that case, you, you they almost have to put up numbers. They can't come back for two years at this level because of their age. Mm-hmm. There's something about last, uh, you know, you look at his, his numbers, um, you look at the confidence when he's in the cage. We haven't seen him in a, in a game yet, but um, the, the, he does have a, a confidence about him, an air about him 
uh, that he feels he belongs. He feels that, hey, don't worry about my age. You know, look at me, and it's almost like, don't worry about my age, okay? Let's just worry about what I do on the field, and then we'll make a determination after that. And I think, again, Mendick set the pace, and now uh, Laz going to come right behind him and and probably fit in uh, just as nice and uh, and, and do a lot of things. Um, I know he's uh, in the exhibition game. He was sitting top three in the lineup, and that's where he's projected. So, look, they're, they're not hiding him, okay? Because of his age, there's not an eighth and ninth place there. Uh, they're going he's, – he's going up there early, and, and they want to. Um, they want to see what they got, okay? Because, again, it's the, – the clock is ticking, and there's no offense to him. He's, he's, he's doing it, and, and that's fine. Uh, you know, I mean, if he's 22 years old, he might have two years in Birmingham. But at his his stage, his age, um, but I, I I think uh, at least watching, observing for two three days, uh, he certainly has the tool set. I know the um, uh, he's, he's probably one of the most uh, the highest risers, quicker risers going into 2019. Any publication, um, anybody who follows the organization has him as 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 we say in music business uh, with a bullet. You know, top top twenty with a bullet, which means on the way up. Certainly uh, on the way up quick. All right, let's move to the outfielders. Uh, quite a quite a Can't talented wait. group. <laughs> quite a talented group, even with Wasabe on the uh, injured list. I mean, you've got Adolfo, who's going to DH till he's ready to go, but Booker, Gonzalez, and Rutherford, and Luis Luis Robert uh, knocking on the door down in uh, Winston. But my goodness, um, <laughs> those are some uh, talented outfielders. Well, you know, I think about this. Name me an organization right now that wouldn't want Wasabe, who will not be available until probably June, and Robert, who is in A-ball, and they, they're not even wearing Barron's uniforms. <laughs> um, it, it, and that, we might have to go. I think there's talk that we're going to go with five or six outfielders <laughs> at the same time and just not use infielders. Perfect. You know, I've been, I've been with the organization, and it fits. I've been with the organization for a long time. And this undoubtedly is an understatement that this is the strongest group of outfielders that the system has had from top to bottom. Um, strong enough, Alex Call is a nice guy and a nice prospect and a nice player. Um, traded to Cleveland, uh, and then it wasn't even a blink. It was boom. And, and I think Call could have come back, started somewhere, and, and, and put up some nice numbers. But that, that's just part of the strength um, I don't know. Nobody knows how it's all going to fit. Um, and, and, and the mystery is Adolfo can't play the field until probably second half. Basabi won't be ready, I don't think, until June. And Robert will probably, when he pushes his way, who goes up and where does he go? Um, so it, it's really it's going to be the strength not only here but in Winston, um, Charlotte's got a, a talented group up there. And I go back to where the Sox had, and, and I've watched all the at-bats of names like Jared Mitchell, started with Jared Mitchell, Keenan Walker, Courtney Hawkins. That group right there was supposed to be Robert Jimenez and then Phil and Blank and Adolfo, Okay. That group that I mentioned, that trio never, never turned out, didn't happen. But these guys, not only are there three more, but there's three more, and then there's three more on top of that. <laughs> um, very first impression, uh, Adolfo, like Eloy, has a chance to be a very special offensive player. 
uh, he mishits balls that go a long way in our ballpark. It's just one of those that he is so big and so strong. My first look at him, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling robbed that we can't get to see him in the outfield. Uh, but the size, the strength, and uh, he, he's a fun guy. I didn't realize his English is probably better than mine and yours. Um, but he's, uh, he, he's a, a tremendous offensive talent. Um, Luis Gonzalez, I got a chance to see in spring, and, and this is probably, again, you talk about with a bullet, um, this is with a bullet in terms of the outfield guys. Um, he forced his way uh, onto this roster. I think ideally, because of the other names, they would have liked to have had him in Winston, but um, there's no doubt that Luis Gonzalez is going to be a, a professional hitter. I love his approach, his stance, um, goes opposite way. Just uh, this is a guy who's got a chance to hit uh, 290 to, 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 to 305 in the Southern League right out of the gate. Okay, if he can avoid uh, some pitfalls, you know, big left-handed breaking balls and he's swinging and missing at that, if he can avoid that. I saw him in spring training uh, against a big league lefty and he, he hit a line drive bullet opposite way to left center field. And that, that was pretty impressive. The organization loves Blake Rutherford. There's a lot to like. I will get my first look at him. We will get his first look at double A at him. Um, again, you talk about power, like with Gavin, I think that's what's the only thing that's missing, right. but with his age, um, and his skill set, I think they believe he's in for a pretty, pretty big year. Um, I'll just, you know, put out the warning sign that, that we do, uh, we have a big ballpark here and I've, I've seen, um, many and plenty of a ball guys come up and, uh, with big numbers and, and not be able to duplicate them in double A, at least their first time around. So this is an outfield that uh, we knew, it, it, it's interesting, when you follow ball, um, by August of last year, July, August of last year, we were already plotting, oh, my God, what are they going to do next year with blank, 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 blank. That, and I didn't even talk about Basabe, and he I saw. And Basabe's got a, a very interesting uh, skill set. I don't know if Basabe is ever going to be a high 280, 290, 300 hitter. That being said, uh, he launches balls, uh, the one he hit in the, um, the Futures game, and then a few that he hit at our ballpark. He's got blinding speed and a tremendous defender with a great arm. I mean, it, 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 that is not even, that, that sounds like Luis Robert, <laughs> right. but it's not. It's, it's Basabe, who was part of the, uh, the Kopec trade. Chris Sale deal. So, uh, you know, that there is so much depth. Let's put it this way. Let's, let's do this for your listeners. Okay. And I called it, we already, everyone called it last year. I would think the next two or three deals the White Sox make, the trade, any trade they make, will involve outfield because that's where the depth is. That's where the strength is. They easily, easily could trade three, any three that they want, outfielders, and pick up a top pitcher, somewhere in a probably three to five um, uh, in the rotation pitcher. And and again, with Kopech down, Dunning down, uh, and hopefully that's it. You know, know, hopefully Cease has a good year and other guys have a good year. He might not need that, but if needed, uh, and if there's injuries, uh, I mean, there are six, seven, eight outfielders that uh, easily you can move them and, and a lot of other organizations, they would make them their top outfielders in the system. This this team is uh is, is loaded with talent. I mean it's it's awesome to see. And then you've got guys that um 
you know, the Canapolis, the infield at Canapolis is something to watch. And then you got Steelwalk in the outfield. And then, of course, you know, in Winston, you've got uh, Magical, who's going to be up in Birmingham, you know, sooner rather than later. And then, of course, Luis Robert, too. And then Lincoln Hensman on the pitching staff. I mean, there's it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, last thing I, I guess I've got for you is uh, is the coaching staff. And, you know, Jersh moved up to uh, Winston. Newman is, is down in Kannapolis. And then uh, Omar and, and his his group of guys are uh, now in Birmingham. And uh, uh, being around Omar last year was, I mean, that's, that's a guy that not only know, you know, not only, you know, knows baseball is a good teacher, but he's lived it before and he knows exactly what it takes. And he's, he, he's a great, uh, it seems like he's just a great manager. Who's, he's on, on track for the uh, major leagues in one way or the other. I think the word with Omar is communicator and he communicates with everybody on the field. I think what looks like to be his strength already is the fact that he makes everybody on that team feel that they are a part of the team. Uh, when we first met him uh, just two, three days ago, we said to our staff, whatever you guys want, whatever you need, you come on downstairs, you talk to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. He's very, very laid back, the infamous player manager. Um, you know, I haven't, uh, uh, we haven't called a game yet. We haven't been in a situation infield in, infield out. Do we bump? Do we run? Do we steal? Do we do all that stuff? All I know is reputation. And all I do know is that every single guy that came up last year from Winston-Salem was in love with him. Absolutely in love with him. And I think that's obviously a big reason why this is that so many of his, his Winston-Salem guys have come up with him. Uh, to be a part of it too, so it's a good fit. But you know, you gotta you gotta let the games happen. This is a fast level. Um, not that he can't handle it, uh, but I, I think we'll all be more comfortable a month in and, and then evaluating and, and seeing how we. Uh, you know, it, it's also a hot. It can be a very hot, long summer. Uh, travel is tough, um, even though we've got one of the better situations geography-wise. But we still have some very tough trips where it's difficult. So uh, all that is is uh, yet to be seen. Uh, but early on, and in, in indications, uh, the guy is, uh, I don't think during BP, I don't think he stops. I think he is constantly in motion. Uh, he is running, jumping, hitting, fielding, doing something during BP. And I, uh, and I think that sets the energy. It's one word White Sox have told me about for the last 20 years is they want to see their manager and their staff with energy. And um, and I'll mention uh, part of the other the staff members as well. Richard Dotson has, has been at Birmingham uh, on two different occasions. A guy who won uh, uh, 22 games once with the White Sox. An excellent pitching instructor. A great, again, communicator. Uh, the, the, the last guy in the staff is the first guy in the staff for him. He treats them all uh, with a tremendous amount of respect, wants to make them better. Uh, and and I, uh, I've watched him do some uh, incredible things. Charlie Poe is um, a guy that was a former Baron, our hitting instructor. Um, I called his games when he was playing, and uh, his reputation now as a hitting instructor is, is outstanding, and he's got a chance to learn from Omar. Uh, I know the guys enjoy being around C. Poe, very, very positive guy, um, and uh, sets a great pace, and, and I'm looking forward to him uh, doing some great things with these hitters. And then um, uh, Wes Helms had a nice big league career, 11 yeah. years in the States with the Glades, Marlins, Brewers. Uh, I think his influence, he's from, uh, not, not from, but lives rather in Birmingham. He's been in the area. 
for about 15 years now, and, and this is really a luxury for him to come home and uh, and be a coach. And I know that uh, his approach and being around him, uh, everybody again, just really a professional. And, and just you know, when you have that lineage, uh, it, it rubs off. And he's just just really. Uh, how do you not talk to a guy like that? You know, if you're an infielder, how do you not sit down and say to Glass, hey, tell me, you know, how to play third, how to play first, and basically how to stay sharp when you're not playing every day, things along those lines. And it's, it's a it's a well put together staff, and I know that we all can't wait uh, for this season not only to start but uh, to develop and and then uh, and then pay back some teams. We we have had, besides the 2013 year when the Barons opened up and won the championship, we have had some long, long summers. Uh, although guys have been promoted and gotten to the big leagues, overall the team record has not been very good. Uh, and so I know we're looking for a, a team that could be competitive, develop, and, and potentially uh, play for a championship in um, uh, early September. One thing to note uh, real quick, you, you mentioned you know Omar and – BP running, jumping, doing everything. He's out there taking ground balls as middle infielders, and you know, just it was something. It was great to watch him out there with Madrigal, and uh, you know, I use Madrigal's name because obviously he's the biggest uh, infield prospect. But he was out there working with every single one of them. But I just out there watching him turn double plays, or you know, whatever it may be, from second base or shortstop. I mean, that's just got to be that's got to be such a thrill for those young guys to be able to learn from. You know, not just Omar is, is you know as a as just a, a coach on the staff, but I mean, he's as the manager, just has to be a thrill for those young guys learning from someone one of the best to ever do it. Well, but the closest that I've come to see something like that was Ryan Sandberg managing in this league with the right. uh, with the Tennessee Smokies, and then working with the infielders. and And you could tell, I watched a lot of the infield work that you're talking about along with PP, and you could tell how the infielders gravitated towards him, and so did he towards his shortstops and second baseman. He's not going to isolate the outfielders. He's not going to isolate his catcher. But certainly there's just a little bit more to offer uh, these infielders, these middle guys. And um, I, I, that, that's something that I am looking forward to. And I think what goes along with that is really when the games are done and I get to talk with them afterwards on a post game, uh, and then they start mentioning his name. That's when you know that you that something has happened, something has developed, something is working. When they come up to the radio booth and go, you know, my defense is really picked up, and I've worked with Omar on this. All right, now, now you got now, now, now it's you, you've got something to talk about how he has helped improve uh, some guy from A to B, or he taught me my first step, or he taught me to keep my glove off or down, or wherever you know, wherever he wants to do it. So, but uh, you, you can see, and what he's done now, it's only been three days. But what he does, and what I've noticed, is um, he'll, he'll talk to them when they're in the cage, actually. And it could be about defense, but he hasn't yet, not yet, and it's so darn early, but he hasn't yet gone out there with a glove and worked with them on pivots and double plays and things like that. I, I would imagine that will come real soon. But right now, just getting to know a new league, a new city, a new team, new franchise, um, it, it, it's, that, that is something that uh, will be – in due time, but right now it's let's commend and let's make all the other guys, the 21, 22 other guys, feel just as comfortable as the shortstop and the second base. All right, Kurt, uh, looking at the schedule, five? You got a five-game series on the road at Biloxi, is that correct here? 
Everything we have in the last 10 years has been five. It's fantastic. Uh, I am spoiled. We have the greatest schedule in all of minor league baseball. Uh, managers, coaches, players, we love it. Get to the hotel room, unwind. You don't have to worry about packing for four more days. You get, And in my case, being a fan, I get to see the whole rotation. Right. And that is really a, a, a treat. Yeah, so the answer is yes. Tomorrow night. Five, we usually play uh, fives, 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 and fives, and then a day off, and then another five. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely unique. Uh, it looks like tomorrow night, 635 Central Time. Uh, for those fans, uh, I mean, for some, some fans that are going to be paying more attention maybe to Birmingham, I, you know, not more attention, but definitely paying attention to Birmingham this year, how, how do fans uh, listen or, or watch games uh, in Birmingham? That's good. I appreciate that. Uh, the first thing is you, you probably, as I did today from the bus, just follow me. Start following me on Twitter, and I'll, I'll give you more information. It's uh, at KurtBloom4 is my Twitter handle. Um, we are on a conglomerate, a radio station conglomerate. It's Cumulus Broadcasting, and it, it, the call letters are WJOX. And uh, the first couple of months, we're going to go between one of their AMs and one of their FMs until, uh, until Auburn. Uh, not only basketball, but Auburn baseball is finished, and then we'll settle in on uh, what's known as jocks, too. Uh, so the best thing to do, uh, there's also, and this is what we've discovered, this is what we love, uh, they are part of the TuneIn and the iHeart family as well. And, and if I was anybody else, first thing I would do is go to iHeart or TuneIn, one of those two, and you'll find us on the dial. You just hit one button, boom, you're there, and, uh, it, and uh, 15 minutes prior to every game, we'll have a Pre-game show, post-game on the road, uh, post-game at home rather. Or we'll be talking with a player, uh, whether it's a parents player or uh, a visiting player. I, I, we always uh, take a lot of pride talking to the other team. The last couple of years, Tyler O'Neill, Chris Bryant, uh, Byron Buxton, those guys have been uh, Kyle Schwarber, all been post-game guests. And that's, that's, you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good group right there. <laughs> yeah, an MVP and a you know rookie of the year candidate, and guys like that along the line. So. That's a lot of fun, but I appreciate that hit. And uh, um, again, there's not one one super duper easy way to do it, but go to your um, go to your iHeart app or TuneIn. If I don't mention TuneIn, those people will hit me over the head with a hat, <laughs> with a uh, hammer. So TuneIn and iHeart is the best way to do it. We are on, and this is important too because uh, we are on Central Time. I don't want anybody to get confused. If you're listening uh, on Eastern Time, the uh, Barons games we we're an hour earlier. Uh, until we play a team in the uh, uh, on the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah, so all three uh, the North Carolina affiliates, obviously uh, Eastern Time, and then right. uh, Birmingham Central, and then right. we've got Great Falls, who you know they're out there and right. they're in another world, it seems like. But uh, yeah, I think I don't even know what time that is, Mountain Time or, or River Time or where I don't. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. We'll we'll think about that in June uh, when they start in. How's that sound? Right. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Opening night, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, but opening night tomorrow night, 6.35. And as Kurt said, uh, he is on Twitter, so follow him there for all the broadcast information. Kurt, thanks for your time, man. really appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's my, uh, my pleasure. Have a wonderful season, and I look forward to uh, being able to check in during the season. All right. Thank you very much, Kurt Bloom, voice of the Birmingham Barons. Time for another White Sox affiliate preview. This time we're heading down to Charlotte here on the Future Sox podcast and joining us on Skype is Jonathan Lee. Jonathan Lee, of course, working for Sox Machine, doing some stuff for us as well. So we thank Jonathan uh, for spending some time tonight. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, Clinton. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, season starts tomorrow night, um, and you know, gone are the gone is, is Kopech and Eloy. So those two guys are Eloy, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've heard about seven thousand <laughs> different pronunciations, but either anyways, two of the best um, best prospects in the game. They're gone. Uh, stepping into their place though, Dylan Cease is now there. Zach Collins is is there now, and I think those two guys are the two biggest names that are at Charlotte now. Um, you kind of had a little bit of a media day in the snow the other day and um, <laughs> in Charlotte. And, you know, I, I guess you probably got a chance to talk to Dylan and, and some of these other guys. So I saw Dylan a lot last year in Winston, and he's made the uh, meteoric rise, I guess you could say, to Charlotte. And, and Rick Hahn even told me that uh, at Soxfest, you know, he's on basically on the same path Kopech was last year. So uh, right. what, what can you tell us about Cease? How's he doing? He's ready to go? Yeah, he seems like he's ready to go. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, uh, Mark Gordelanek, the manager here in Charlotte, is going to pitch him on Sunday. So he's going to go Sunday. Uh, we've got uh, – we're pretty much uh, – we're speculating here, but we're guessing Donnie Roach will start tomorrow. Uh, we know uh, Carson Fulmer will go Thursday and Dylan will go Sunday. So that obviously leaves two open spots for either going to be Jordan Guerrero, Jordan Stevens, uh, one of those guys. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Dylan. I mean, he's, it's not on the same level as Michael Kopik because, you know, Kopik was such a, um, he was, he was so widely known from A, from the trade and just from the social media aspect of his life. Dylan's not, not cut from the same class, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him more, uh, it'll be more baseball based than more like a TMZ based right. as it was with Kopik. Yeah, Kopik, uh, I mean, I was down there, what, what do you think, maybe five or six Kopech starts last year? Yep, yep. And, you know, for me, or to us, at least post-game and pre-game and all sorts of other stuff, I mean, Kopech, for as much media attention as he gets, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better better interview and a, and a nicer guy. Yeah, I think he's a great kid. I mean, and and I'll be very interested, interested to see if he can come back and play this year. But uh, really, really looking forward to seeing Dylan and seeing his, you know, how his personality, what his person. We talked to him for maybe five minutes. It was more like a um, a, a an, an interview session with the local media, and the local media here isn't really in tune to the team yeah, aspect no of it as more, it's more like a wine and cheese crowd. So they're more into, uh, you know, what's the hottest, you know, uh, beer that's going to be sold, that kind of thing. They're not necessarily, you know, looking, but looking at X's and O's and balls and strikes. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Dylan as far as, as well as uh, Zach Collins and some of the other kids that are coming up this year. Yeah. Dylan uh, is a guy that, you know, I interviewed quite a few times in Winston and um, became, uh, you know, we're not best friends, but you know, if I text him, you know, he'll text me back and uh, a really, a really good dude. And he's got, he's got the stuff and it's going to be a, a matter of, you know, him, um, him just harnessing that talent at triple A. And, you know, a lot of these guys in triple A are guys that have been in the majors. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does against, is, against some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he is ready for a full season here. Uh, you know, obviously he's been moving around here. So it sounds as though in talking to him that he's ready to commit to a full season here. But you know how the numbers work. I mean, any any injury, an injury to to a, to a pitcher, he could very easily go up at middle at the middle of the season. I, I don't anticipate it, but that could definitely happen. But it seems like he's locked into being here and he, he's enjoying so far working with Steve McCaddy, who's a great pitching coach, down developmental coach down here uh, in Charlotte, just 
work with, you know, tons of guys. So he's, you know, just getting started with Steve and, and working on that chemistry and, and also with Zach. And it'll be really interesting to see if he, uh, if he makes it the entire season here or if he gets bumped up based on either an injury or performance. One of the guys, or both the guys, will be throwing to Sebi Zavala, who was there last year for a little while, and then Zach Collins. You kind of mentioned Zach a little bit, but uh, both guys have, have different games. And, um, you know, Zach was getting some time at first base as well. Um, I, I, you know, just see how Gavin Sheets progresses. But, um, you know, those two guys are, are, are two guys that you, as a Sox fan, or me as a Sox fan, or whoever Sox fans in general, would assume or would hope that, you know, both Zavala and Collins would be on the White Sox roster when it's time for them to compete. Yeah, it seems like they're they're within two years away. I mean, obviously, Zebby is probably a year away. Uh, I think Zach might be might be a full season away. We'll see, but it'll it'll be really really interesting to see what happens here. I mean, they're they're two high level prospects playing the same position. So, and Zebby isn't necessarily the one that's going to be. Uh, able to to change position is going to be uh, Zach Collins, and like you said, he's already played. He's already got a couple of uh, reps in the out in the at first base. He's already you know getting. So so it's a matter of what Mark wants to do day to day with uh, with his pitching staff and obviously with the competition and who's going to get those uh, those plate appearances and that time behind the behind the plate. Some of the pitchers you mentioned, uh, Carson Fulmer, Spencer Adams, Jordan Guerrero, Jordan Stevens. I mean, these guys were, were there last year. Uh, Carson's issues have been well documented throughout uh, his time. Um, and another guy that's who's always who's always been uh, super nice to me as well. And you, you can't help but root for Carson Fulmer. Some of these other guys that are that are in that rotation that um, you know honestly they're just they're basically just one call away from being uh, at guaranteed right field. Right, and and like I said, I I said that yeah, last year or, or the last couple of years, Carson's been kind of like a yo-yo man, being up and down and up and down, and you know that's got to wear on him. And I'm sure he wants, to, I mean, he wants to be full time up there, up in Chicago. But it seems like when he gets up there, that's when the issues pop up again, and then he kind of calms down and comes down here and kind of, you know, fixes his mechanics and fixes what he wants to do and, and becomes a better pitcher down here, and then he goes back up and it happens again. So it, it's sort of, and he, like I said, he's a great guy, and you, and you can't help but cheer for him, but it's like it's almost coming down to the point where there's so many guys who are coming up behind him, the Ceases, the Dunnings in a couple of years, uh, you know, the, the younger guys that – it's going to come to a point now where the White Sox might have to make a decision here within the next year or two on Carson Fulmer's uh, future here, either in Charlotte or in Chicago. Yeah, that is that is true. You mentioned he's uh, starting, so he's he was working on the bullpen, starting bullpen, starting bullpen, and um, you know I just obviously he'll take he'll get back to the White Sox however he uh, however he can, but I know for a fact he would rather start than come out of the pen. Right, but it, it seems like he's most effective up there coming out of the pen. Exactly, yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's just a matter of can he, you know, can he change his mentality and become a middle reliever slash closer versus a starter? I mean, it, you know, that's all about that's your a mentality. Yep. Right. And, you know, it, does he have it in him? Does he have the, uh, the discipline and the ego to be able to step down and say, all right, maybe I'm better suited in this role. And if you see, if you see some of the contracts some of these middle relievers are signing these days, 
maybe it's not a bad thing. Uh, yeah, he's he's got a. I know he went back to kind of the old motion, a little bit of the old motion, but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens to him. Hopefully, he's another guy that can um, can can progress. Uh, looking at the rest of his mm-hmm. roster, the infield, an interesting signing the Sox made is Alcides Escobar, um, listed as a shortstop uh, on this roster. Uh, he is now 33 years old, um, and uh, you know, Sox fans obviously remember him with the Royals. What you know with, with Rondon with Rondon moving up and um, with Alvarez being traded? I guess what is what is Escobar going to bring to this organization? Well, it looks like he's just a stopgap. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's just kind of a guy who's going to be here maybe for the whole year. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make the entire year. I, I'll tell you what, he's bigger than I thought. I mean, he's a legit. I'm six one. He's a legit six two. He's a legit, you know, good-looking, strapping kid. So, well, not a kid anymore, but uh, it seems like he's going to be more of like a mentor type to the younger guys who are on the team. Um, uh, it, it feels like this is kind of like a stop gap measure as far as he's a guy who's just going to fill a role here uh, on this team. I wouldn't at all be surprised if he didn't make it through the year. I wouldn't be surprised if due to injury, he was he was right back up in the majors. I mean, he's going to be one of those kind of guys who kind of rolls with whatever happens at the big league level. I mean, because obviously he's got that experience. So he'd be the first one you get the call, I would imagine, as a guy who can step right into Chicago and play if needed. Two more things uh, we're going to discuss here, then I'll let you go. Uh, let's go to the outfield. All four of these guys in the outfield have played in the major leagues at one point or another. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Demonico, Geyer, Tilson, and Tucker. Uh, Delmonico is a guy who has had success and he's had issues with the White Sox. But as we mentioned, it's a numbers game. And last year, uh, you know, obviously last year, Daniel Polko was, was starting in Charlotte. Um, but so you've got Delmonico, Geyer, Tilson, and Tucker. Geyer, a guy they brought in this year, then they released him, and then he signed back that minor league deal. Tucker, a former Brave, and then uh, Charlie Tilson, new Chicago guy who just – Hasn't been able to stay healthy, and then once he has been healthy, he just hasn't been able to get it done. But, I mean, these are all good good minor league guys, and, uh, you know, as some of these other younger guys move up, these are all guys that have that can definitely help in the mentoring process. Right, and I feel like you talk about moving up. I feel like, and I hate to use this word, I feel like these guys are play setters. Like, they're just, they're just here so the, so the younger guys don't have to, you know, the, the, the AAA guys, the Adolfos, the Rutherfords, uh, the Gonzalez's, they, they might not be ready for AAA, so these guys are the kind of stopgaps, are the play setters waiting for, you know, the next level, the, the two years down the road. I mean, it's kind of, you know, there's, you know how minor leagues are. You kind of have to have these guys who kind of just fill out the roster. Right. And it feels like guys like Guy are that. I, I really like Nicky Delmonico, and maybe that's a personal thing. He's a really good dude. Um, I fully expect him to, at some point, I, I still think he'll get up to as many as 200 at bats up in Chicago this year. I just feel like that's going to be you just can't, you just you just can't keep the guy off the major league roster. Um, but it feels like these other guys are just kind of here just because they don't want to bring up the Gonzalez's, the Rutherfords, and the younger guys because they they're they're kind of holding them down there to you know as they continue to improve their games. It feels like the guys who are here are just kind of stopgaps. Last thing for you, uh, Jay Lee, before we let you go, uh, let's talk coaching staff. We kind of did a little bit. Uh, Grudz, former major league player, of course, as McCaddy is with Cures as well. Uh, all these guys, you know, with experience. But uh, 
the pitching, you know, Steve McCaddy has been well well publicized, I guess, with, with dealing with Kopech last year. And now he's going to have to uh, – his his next chore is Dylan Cease and making sure he's he's good to go. And eventually, you know, Zach Birdie will be ready to go. So there's yep. quite a few quite a few things McCaddy has to do. What's been your, your interaction with uh, Steve McCaddy? It, it, it's brief. I mean, as a pitching coach, he's not necessarily one who's, you know, reaching right. out to me, trying to talk to me. It's more like me trying to just go over and get and talking to him through grudge. So, uh, and grudge isn't exactly the most uh, charismatic person in the world. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get, get two words out of grudge. He's a great guy. He's just, you know, not, the, not very talkative. Right. Um, I think uh, Steve McCaddy is the kind of guy who he's like a grinder. He just wants to, all he wants to do is work with pitchers. He doesn't care about media. He doesn't care about talking to me. He doesn't care about talking to you. He doesn't care about talking to anybody in the big leagues. He just wants to work with pitchers. He's a great, he's a fantastic developmental pitching coach. Um, the way I think the White Sox are lucky to have him. Uh, it, obviously, you can see what he's done with the, with the players in the past who have moved up, not just Kopech, but guys before him. Uh, I'll be really interested to see uh, how he works with Dylan Cease and then the guys who are coming up behind him. You know, obviously, Dunning's hurt. Like you said, Zach Purdy's coming up guys like that uh it'll be really interesting to see what happens here with uh with seats and with Stephen k that's something i'll be looking at very closely here uh this year anything else you want to mention uh before we let you go i'm uh, just looking forward to getting the season started it's been a long off season down here that's no yesterday was brutal so <laughs> we're really it was it was 70 degrees today it'll be 74 tomorrow at first pitch it'll be 80 on the weekend might rain on friday but uh, we're ready to go down here, and between here and Winston and Kannapolis, uh, it's going to be a good summer down here on the farm. I will be down there in one, two, three weeks and three days. I'll be down there for a couple games. Um, and then, of course, our future Sox nights coming up Thursday, June 20th down there. So I'll see you a couple times here this summer. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, uh, Jay Lee, for taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.